Hi, everybody. My name is Sean Shaler. This is my friend Chris Ford, a.k.a. The Objective Geek, on Twitter and YouTube. And today we have an extremely special episode for you. Absolutely the first episode of its kind to this point. Hopefully in the future there'll be one more just like it. But very special episode because it is all about the book Avatar, The Rise of Kyoshi, that was very recently released. We're going to do an entire episode, an entire podcast on this spectacular book. Uh, but first, before we get started, Chris, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. This book has been a joy to read, so it's been bringing a lot of, you know, like I said, joy to my life. It did. I think it perked up my entire week just having a, a tremendous book to read. I don't want to give away too many of my final thoughts. Obviously, we yeah. both like it enough, but it definitely uh, it perked up my entire week, and it was infectious. Everybody around me that likes Avatar is now interested in it. I've already, I've already got a borrowing list, like three people deep. <laughs> And I think that's really cool, mm. and you can share that stuff with people. So uh, there is one one big catch with this episode, and that's that it's going to be super-duper in-depth. Uh, we're going to talk about anything and everything we feel relating to this book, and that means there's going to be all kinds of spoilers, tons of them. Uh, we're not going to pay any attention to what we're spoiling. We're just going to do it. However, <laughs> I have good news. I have great news, even, and that's that mm. you, Chris Ford, already have Me. put out yes. a review on youtube called avatar rise of kiyoshi review no spoilers and i have personally watched it and can verify that he did an excellent job both in obviously making the video and not spoiling anything whatsoever so i will put uh we'll put a little card a little link to the video in a card and down in the description if you want no spoilers please go watch that it'll be like 10 minutes of your day and i don't know how long this is gonna go i know i have a lot to say <laughs> about this book um but Go spend 10 minutes on the no-spoiler version if you plan on reading this. And to everybody else that plans on reading this but actually listens to the podcast, all two of those people, uh, sorry about this episode. I hope you don't mind spoilers like me. Uh, but in this case, I'm going to even respect the spoilers here in my own house because Heather wants to read it. And she it's not so much that I care, but she doesn't want it spoiled. So I actually have to like shut up in my own house at the moment. Chris, am I forgetting anything? <laughs> Any other warnings I need to toss out there before uh, we dive into this very unique episode? No, uh, my, my review is out there. The Objective Geek, as uh, you just said, just look for it on YouTube, and it should be fairly spoiler-free. I, I will guarantee that it is 100% spoiler-free. <laughs> nice job on the video, by the way. And I also appreciate the reference drops uh, to our other top favorite avatars video. Mm. I think we can all agree <laughs> this book does prove that Kurok is the worst. I, I still maintain that Yang Chin is the best, I mean, and I think this book doesn't really do too much to dispute that. Um, I think I think if anything, this isn't a spoiler, but I think if anything, it proves that Yang Chin is the best. It, I, I think it does too, and you're totally still free to like Korra the most, and I respect that. But I, yeah. this book, this book didn't hurt my opinion of Yang Chin either. It helped that, uh, really helped my opinion of Kyoshi, <laughs> and really solidified yes. uh, Korok in his place. <laughs> at the bottom of the avatar totem pole even below unnamed firebender uh remember that guy the second he was he the second he, avatar uh you, no he, he was previous the, to uh yang chin yes but i think they mentioned his name in the book no because like they were Did talking about it? oh i think so because there's an unnamed firebender's name well oh. there's a passage there's a passage that says um, Kork wasn't like as admired as Yang Chen, and oh no, uh, I think Yoon was saying like, "Oh, I'll hope to be admired like Yang Chen and Salai," 
which will spell like S-A-L-A-I. And that sounds and so like a firebender would, name, doesn't it? Yeah, and like I would think that like you wouldn't mention like a fire a avatar that far <laughs> behind. So it'll probably be the firebender before. So I think that is That's Avatar Salad. That's awesome. We were calling him. I I can't believe I just like I uh, just scraped on past that. And the best part of that, what you just said, is revered. That means he must have been decent. So then, correct has no hope. We have we have an avatar we know nothing about other than that he was better than Kurok, and that's the extent of his lore. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, All right, but enough enough bashing on Kurok. I do think uh, I wish we had more time for like trivial tease but this is a 400 and what'd you say 440 pages long book yeah somewhere around there i imagine we both have a lot to say so i'm gonna skip past all of everything other than go watch chris's recent videos all of them uh, but especially the spoiler free one and let's just get right into the book and chris i'm gonna let you lead most of the way if you don't mind but not chapter by chapter we just tried to highlight yeah. uh we tried to highlight big plot points apologies in advance if we jump around a little bit but this is yes. where spoilers it will be... begin. Spoiler people, uh, turn it off now, please. It will be sort of in chronological order. Um, so pretty much there's a whole kind of section of just the introduction. Uh, we go to where it was like eight years before the present time of this. And and uh, Ava- not, Avatar Quirk has passed away at the very young age of 33. They make a joke about it. So. Yeah, they make a joke about it saying that he was never early to anything but his death. <laughs> <laughs> Savage. Fair to point out, this, there's a lot of things in this book that are pretty hashtag savage. They uh, yeah. a lot of good, a lot of good snide burns in here. But anyways, yes. So Avatar Korg's friends, um, a very um, uptight sort of uh, member of the Ganji tribe, as we saw in the Great Divide. Um, he was a friend of Avatar Korg. He's an earthbending sage, if you will, um, and also monk. Uh, Kel Sang, who is from the Air Temples, of course. I forget if he's specifically from the Southern Air Temple. He is from the Southern Air Temple. Same one that Aang is from. And they are trying to do the Avatar test to find the next Avatar. And it's been really difficult for them to do it for some reason. Like the Earth Kingdom, every kingdom, every nation has their different ways of doing it. For some reason, they have not found the Earth Avatar and they feel some high pressure to find them because they did such a bad job with... Oh, are you serious? Isn't I know, Kelsey right? I'm sorry, I meant to put this in the slide and oh, I totally sorry. forgot. I'm sorry to derail uh, you. We'll get to it in just a second. Yeah, yeah. we'll get to it. Um, and so they feel this immense pressure to find this avatar and train them right and kind of make amends that they didn't train Quirk the right way because they're also his is bending teachers and so they do the the test and they come across a young orphan girl and named kiyoshi and she does pick out one of the avatar relics um, which they do the air nomad technique is to find the toys and kids will find them but the moment that i found so telling in this moment that kiyoshi picks up the toy and then a uh, monk kel saying says to her like oh you get to pick three more like kiyoshi was the first girl to first person, first kid to pick out a toy that was an avatar relic. But Kyoshi is like so somewhat traumatized and she's so untrusting of people that she thinks it's a trick. She's like, no, I'm just going to hold on to this one toy that I got because this is all I got, really. And I'm going to run away. And, and, uh, Probably and yeah, symbolic that's of, <laughs> like a lack of greed as well. I, I think they specifically mention 
sort of protective and untrusting, uh, but probably some mm-hmm. symbolism towards just uh, maybe a selfless or not greedy attitude, even at a young, sort of an unnaturally, like you could put good, a lot of toys in front of like good, well-behaved children and what kids aren't going to want more than what they're given, I guess. So uh, just to stand out too, in a couple of different ways, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Monk Kelsang, the, the, their characterizations is that Kelsang is, he's kind of, um, he's somewhat lovable. He has the look of a very stoic, very tall air nomad. Like I imagine like Tenzin, but even taller and kind of bigger. I for think some reason. bigger too, like kind of probably <laughs> yeah. ripped as far as Avatar or as far as Airbenders go. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's still very. He's a very loving person, is what I take took away from it. <clears throat> like he was perfectly fine with Kiyoshi going off, essentially taking this Avatar relic without them getting anything in return. And he just says, like, like Janju says to him, like. What are the Arab nomads going to do when they find out that you let some kid take an avatar relic, which Kelsang already has not a good standing with all the air nomads? And he's like, oh, I'm sure he'll find his way to its owner. Like, that is just uh, just a great character moment that really says a lot about the character of Kelsang. The two things, my two takeaways from what we've talked about so far, uh, and including, kind of including the forward. Uh, in some context or as some context is that a i was very disappointed that they didn't uh that nothing ever developed from the kiyoshi taking the toy i would have thought that just because she took the one toy and they did Mm -hmm. obviously eventually they did find her and take her into the home which we'll get to in upcoming chapters but like did they not try to have her finish the test immediately like was their curiosity not piqued by the fact that she was one for one and sort of force her to to, mm-hmm. to take the rest of the test or finish. Like, I was kind of frustrated that they didn't do that, and later they made it sound like they explored all their options. Uh, but in my mind, like, they didn't. You didn't make her finish. Yeah. Uh, but maybe they did, uh, and, a... and she just, it was already broken. Like, she already tried it once, and that was already, <laughs> like, a cut and fail. And then the number two thing is that at this point in the story and from the foreword, you kind of get the picture that... Uh, Jianju and Kelsang are, I don't want to say buddies, but you you get it like a personal, more of an intimate vibe. Like we don't mm-hmm. we don't have a bigger picture of who they are or why they're hanging around the Avatar or anything political at this point. Uh, and I really appreciate that they started that they started us off that way. Like we get the feeling that they were just Kurok's buddies, and they really were feeling kind of genuinely bad. Like they let him down. And kind of the world down in a way by not doing a better job with him uh, as friends and companions, uh, whereas they sort of develop into far different figures as we go farther in the story. But I appreciated where they started. Yes. Yep. Definitely. Uh, and then we, so if anyone's watching, I mean, it's not watching here. Um, Sean pulled up a picture of a literal monk. Name uh, Kelsang Gyatsu, which I I oh, googled just, this. Okay. I googled, googled this because yeah. I was trying to figure out how to how to pronounce oh, Kelsang's okay. name, and this uh-huh. is the first thing that pops up. And I was like, Gyatsu, where's that name familiar yeah. from? Obviously. <laughs> and so I didn't read too much into it, but I just no. well, I guess we know where the inspiration for some of these names came was the t- top results on <laughs> on uh, on Google for that. So yeah, that was. Hey, 
They just Googled monks. The thing is, the funny thing is, is that um, Tenzin, right, uh, Aang's kid, his name's Tenzin, and then Aang's mentor, Monk Gyatso, Tenzin Gyatso is the Dalai Lama. Hmm. So I wonder if Gyatso is some of a, a Gyatso's, like, I wonder if surnames work differently. Like, it's not those two people are related, but it's sort of a, a sort of a yeah. titular surname of some type. I'm curious now. I'd like to learn more at some point. That's interesting. And uh, so we, I'm going to pull up the next bullet on the slide, but there is a huge jump. Uh, feel free to take your time getting from one step to the next one. Uh, but just so we have our own points of reference, I will point up the, pull up the next bullet point. Uh, yeah, so it goes a whole nine years later. And, and Kyoshi finds herself, she's, she's at a mansion, and it is the Avatar's mansion. And the Avatar's mansion was built and created by Jianju so that he can train the current Avatar and the Avatar can have everything at their disposal that they need. Um, and they have apparently found the... I'll, I'll wait to get to that new Avatar. But Kyoshi is like doing some some labor there. She's a worker at the mansion. Don't know exactly how she found... Oh, Kelsang found her and brought her there uh, to work there. And she's really kind of being picked on by girls and stuff. And it just shows that Kyoshi's an outsider, right? Kyoshi is an outsider in so many ways. She is tall. She is huge. Um, some of them hate her because she works, she lives a relatively lavish life in the mansion. And so she's just kind of picked on and bullied. And also she is not the strong-willed Kyoshi that we know, right? She can she can't even bend that well. She can't even bend a pot above her head. At this point, we're uh, not really then, sure if she can bend at all yet. We kind of get a reveal later. But at this point, we're not sure if she is totally incapable or what the extent of her issues is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get introduced to a new character, her friend. But at this point, she's not... I wouldn't call her... She's not portrayed as her friend necessarily in this part of the book. I mean, they are portrayed as like good colleagues at, at, at a minimum. Um, but you get the sense that you get introduced to Ranji or Ranji. Ranji, that's where we're going. I'm going to go with Ranji. <laughs> Sorry, we will you said you... it and that yeah. rings the best. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have the points up here? I still see Kelsang. But uh, oh, we introduced yeah. to... My <laughs> Look at his face. Uh, bye, Kelsang. There we go. Uh, we get introduced to, to Ranji. And she is a firebender. She is from the Fire Nation. Like she went to the Royal Academy and everything. Like the way they describe her is like kind of this just fearsome warrior who can just just strike fear into anybody. And she kind of uh, stands up for Kyoshi in a sense. And and uh, and so yeah. So that's introduced to her. And then later on, we are introduced to Yoon, who is the Avatar, quotation marks, if some people can't see me. He's <laughs> who everyone believes is the Avatar. And he's a very gifted bender. He can bend rocks from, like, just yards away, uh, very meticulously, very methodically. And he can, like, form shapes with them and everything in letters and communicate with them. I think he also has a little bit of seismic sense because it seems like he can kind of guess when people are behind him. I would say that probably same goes time. into the fact, like, I sort of lumped that in with he has such sensitivity that he can communicate through the earth. And in a way, in my head, that's kind of like seismic sense, mm. or at least a different channel or a related channel, I guess. But 
yeah, he's got some really cool bending powers. I'd have thought he was the Avatar too. Yeah. Um, and he is like the golden child of Avatars in, in a sense because he is really gifted. He's very gifted at earthbending. And he also has like those more admirable qualities of an Avatar. He does a lot of great teachings. He's uh, very studious. I wouldn't say he's spiritual, but he's very open to it. Um, he is... He's been groomed from uh, by Jianju to be the best avatar he can be, um, and Jianju is is running it, and and uh, oh, random thing that Kyoshi um, uses Neutrogen, which is a a bending, sort of a bending technique that Earthbenders use. Right, not the not the face him. cream, uh, just a, a Neutrogen uh, <laughs> yeah. bending, bending technique of waiting. Uh, Boomy's a big fan. Go watch. Go watch that episode too. Actually, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then we're also we're introduced to uh, Heyron, which is uh, Ranji's mother, and she is a headmistress of the Fire Nation Royal Academy. She is just one of those you know greatest firebenders there is. Uh, we learn a couple more things about her later as we get to meeting uh, Tagaka, and those. I feel like are the main characters of Team Avatar right now. We have uh, we have Kyoshi, we have uh, Ranji, we have Avatar Yoon, and uh, Jeonju, and Kelsang, and Heyron. Uh, a little background on Jeonju, though, is that he has been known to be a very formidable force in the Earth Kingdom. When, when Avatar Quirk died, he took it upon himself to really bring order to the Earth Kingdom through really a lot of different means, um, very a lot of different means. There's some political means and there are just some brute force means. Um, but he's in his background includes that he broke up this tribe called the Yellow Neck Tribe, or not the Yellow Neck Tribe, the Yellow Neck Gang. I think they wore yellow bandanas. I think they literally um, so just that call comes them the back. Yellow Necks, just uh, without the without the noun at the end, just the Yellow Necks. Yeah, yeah, Yellow Necks. So that's their background. And they need to go broker a trade, a treaty with uh, a leader of the Fifth Nation, the, um, I forget what they're called exactly. I think, oh, I think they're just called the Fifth Nation. And their leader is Tagaka, a waterbending, just genius, really, prodigy. And yeah, so they go on a trip to go broker a treaty with her because, you know, she's kind of like a pirate, really. And it's interesting because when, you know, they they released like an excerpt from the book, and it was really about meeting um, Tagaka, and I thought she was going to be the main antagonist. And they made it seem like this of... was like building up to the climax of the entire book, and this hit me like chapter, yeah, I don't know, mm-hmm. chapter five or something. Like, it's, I was it's waiting for all build up. Uh, so, bef- if you don't mind, just before we get to Tagaka, I'd say that a couple things leading up to this. You mentioned Please. that everything leading up to this was all about character development. And I would say the other thing is they also spend a lot of time explaining or developing how uh, Yo- Yo- Yokoyo, Yo- Yokoyo, uh, Yokoho, 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 I think um, that village of of sort of explaining how it's sort of isolated and why it's sort of strategic, strategically placed within the Earth thing, uh, within the Earth Kingdom for Jianju to raise and train an avatar. And I think it's going to have, as you mentioned, it's probably got some significance for Kyoshi farther down the line. And I thought that was very interesting. Can you remind me, do they talk about Yoon's origin story 
before we meet Tagaka, or is it after we meet Tagaka when Kiyoshi is talking to Kelsey? No, it's 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 way after when she's talking to Kelsey. Way after, it, okay. yeah. Well, it's not way after, but it's, it's shortly after the whole incident on the iceberg. Okay, that we're gonna gotcha. Talk well, about. then I'll hold my next point for for that time. Well, uh, well, all right then. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so they all have to go and and meet Tagaka. And there's a lot of great character moments in between here. I think we get a lot of very intimate moments between Kiyoshi and and, Rank, and Ranji, and and the moment that I love most is just them, um, like late at night, like they sleep together, but they're not they don't sleep together. They're just sleeping with each other. But it's one of those moments that kind of introduces this intimacy that they may have with each other. And you know, Ranji kind of just like takes off all of her armor and. And she just has on like her, it's not, I wouldn't call it underwear, but it's undergarments. <laughs> if, <laughs> if it's underwear in like a literal sense, not in like the sense yes. we know. Yeah. It's like you wear it under your armor and yeah. also under like the clothes on that. Um, but like the way that it is uh, written, like Kyoshi has never seen her friend like this before, like bare arms and stuff. And like there's a certain sensation and not not that type of like arousal sensation, but there's just something that that, that triggers. They make her. a point to show that something clicks right away or triggers. Yeah. Maybe that's a better yeah. word. Like, oh, she's showing a wrist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that's hot. Fire oh, and then intended. yeah, and then before this, um, you know, they just have, they just share a really nice intimate moment, uh, and like Raji goes to sleep and Kyoshi's arms and like. For some reason, you know, as a guy, sometimes, you know, when, you know, we sleep, I've slept before and had, you know, someone significant other just pressing in my arm. And yeah, you're, they describe it as like, Kiyoshi said this was like the most pain she's been in, but she would not trade it in for anything. Is this when they're on the <laughs> iceberg? Is this when, the, like, the night before? It's and, the night and, before the and iceberg. They're sharing a, sharing a, a tent at the camp or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. Yeah. And so yeah, before as I, then, I agree. I've I've had oh, a head ahead. on my shoulder for a while, and it feels terrible. <laughs> and there's hair in your face, uh, but I yeah, still like. It. Yeah, I still and they like do, it. and they do a really good job of describing that. Like they'll be like, "Oh, um, Ranji's top knot, which top knots are very important to the Fire Nation, uh, especially if you're higher up and and higher ranking." Um, and just her top notch was like bristling against her chin. <laughs> um, <but laughs> it sounds very, awful. very descriptive. <laughs> It sounds awful, but I get it, Kiyoshi. I get it. Yeah. So before that, though, they you know they they kind of before the iceberg incident, they go through this treaty with Takaka, and Takaka is talking to Yoon, and Yoon's handling this himself because he's the avatar and needs to do this, uh, the treaty stuff. And Takaka talks about how she feels like disrespected. She's like, I invite you here, and you bring war to my, you know, to me. And he's like, Well, what are you talking about? You know, these these are, you know, these are just my crew. She's like, I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about those three right there. And she points to Hey Ron and Jianju and Kelsang. She's like, he's like, oh, what? These are my bending masters. She's like, no, you know, just a, a paraphrase there. She's like, no, those three are like the three deadliest people in the world. <laughs> this, is, like, this is like the first <laughs> major bomb that's been dropped in the story, too. And a story that drops a lot of them. This is the first time where like some uh, something unexpected, I guess, hits you. I think this is the first big one. Yeah, it's funny because she goes through them one by one, and each of their reactions are slightly different. 
she talks about John and how he is known as the grave digger. Yeah, I think. Yep. Which yeah. is the coolest nickname <laughs> in the history of murderous nicknames. Uh, my Especially wife's for an earthbender. I love that nickname. That is tremendous. <laughs> yeah. And like, she's like, he killed, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in one swoop. <laughs> and then she mentions, hey, Ron, the firebending headmistress. She's like, I also know who holds the highest accidental kill counts in Agony Kai. <laughs> and like, I love the way it reads. It's like, after Hiran heard this, if she was supposed to be startled by this information, she didn't show it. <laughs> like, because they were accidents. she just kept a well, she just kept a stoic like look like, yeah, if I kill people, I kill people like. <laughs> and then this is where it hit Kyoshi the most, and I think it hit everybody the most. Just like, and they're not the worst. Do you know why I sell my ships far west of of the? Or far far away from the Southern Air Temple, what is because really that guy is known mm-hmm, is known as the Human Typhoon, because when ships come, he creates huge tornadoes <laughs> that creates typhoons, and then she was like, "Oh yeah, that sounds like a great air bending technique, you know, blow your enemies away." But what happens when a ship overturns? Like people died, <laughs> and then that's when you realize because I mentioned before the Kelsang does not have a good relationship with the air nomads and he's kind of been uh disavowed to a certain extent they don't they don't hold him in in high in high regard and it's because of that because he is directly responsible for killing hundreds of people and his reaction to this is like someone heartbreaking like he he visually he visually you know can't even stomach kind of his own uh, his own shortcomings tangibly different reaction than the previous two and uh also we i think we already had the impression a little bit that uh Heron and jianju were probably very good benders uh but we don't really have a good picture of kelsang <laughs> until this point yeah. and then you're like wow i guess we just don't see airbending used for violence very often but that's very effective <laughs> sorry that's not funny yeah. but it's kind of cool <laughs> Great horror stories and uh, t- uh, Tagaka, is it, I'm, I'm already screwing mm-hmm. everything. That's how yeah, she, well, she I'm does a great it. job Tagaka. of telling these horror stories, as well. Yeah. Uh, oh, we also get introduced to what's the water to, bender um, guy's name? Yeah, Amok, Amok. I think I'm gonna call him Amok. I think it's Amok. Yeah. Yeah, Amok, um, and he is like disguising himself not as a. A uh, waterbender, because in these treaties, they, you know, one of their uh, discussion points is like, it's going to be on an iceberg, and the only waterbender that could be there would be Takaka and her people. They all agree to it, so he has to disguise himself. He, like, cuts his warrior's wolf tail, he puts in, like, weird contacts things, he takes out his piercings, which apparently piercings is a thing that waterbenders do, like bone piercings, that makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, so you have him there. Well, they no, didn't mention... Don't, don't, don't skate over this contact thing. He dumped... This is horrifying to me, Chris. Uh, he, spider snake venom into his eyeballs to turn his eyes green. And I have two comments. And the first is that's the worst combination of animals of all time, and I'll never sleep again. Spider snake. B, if it's venomous like, and you're dumping it straight into your eyeballs, you 
it's either not very powerful venom or you're gonna you're gonna die like this like just dump it into your bloodstream for heaven's sake dude's crazy uh but i'm not gonna lie i actually really liked that as an introduction like hey you got waterbender we always think of like uh we think of like self-sustenance and and healers and things like no this guy's got piercings all over and he's dumping snake poison straight into his eyeballs (laughs) that's pretty wild i just like the picture it painted (laughs) Uh, but I'll never yeah. sleep again knowing that spider snakes are real in my favorite fictional universe. Yeah, spider snakes are real. Horrifying. Um, <laughs> but there, there's a really... Kyoshi takes this news about Kelsang, I think, really hard. Because to them, it was... Like, it's Kelsang, right? He's an air nomad. Like, the most peaceful people you can know of. He's pure. It's, it's like, He's... Exactly, yeah. And uh, I think... She convinces herself that, and rightfully so, that all right, they did what they needed to do, and she feels bad. I think for Kelsang for feeling that bad. Um, there's a passage where she does um, give him a really good hug to uh, to just reassure that you know she doesn't see him any different. But uh, yeah, you never let me down," she said. Yeah, she says to him, um, so there's so the passage says, Kyoshi was suddenly furious on his behalf, though she didn't know at whom, at the world, perhaps, for allowing its darkness to infect such a good man and make him hate himself. She threw her arms around Kelsang and hugged him as tightly as she could. And she said, you've never let me down. Do you hear, do you hear me? Never. So just some great moments that I think really inform both those characters and that's page 82 if you're trying to read it way through um, <laughs> and um and i think it really lays some foundation that is that later on when something happens to saying um just makes it even harder and rougher it's hitting my feels all over again <laughs> Yeah, they do a really yeah, nice just... job too of just uh, nothing against Heron, uh, but they do a really nice job of making Kelsang stand out from the other, I guess, trainers or masters. Uh, there is, I suppose, mm-hmm. one master of each bending style present, but they they do a nice job of making him stand out uh, as being sort of relationship centric and to up to the point of all the horrible murders, like what you would expect out of an Airbender. Yeah, so I just think the writing as a as a whole, especially early on, of just building these relationships and building the dynamics between them was a really good job. Because I mean, we're only eighty pages in, right? And we already feel a really huge connection between Kelsang and Kyoshi, like one that feels very genuine and real. And Kelsang feels like a real character. All these characters feel, I feel like they all have like it's weird to say that they have more weight than the characters in the shows do. Um, and also that might be like one of those things of just like oh well reading books gets you more into the head sort of the, of the pacing just... is different of books too sure i get it but i also yeah. agree completely with what you're saying of that we're less than 20 percent in and we already have this uh i mean we it, the the larger universe is already established but we already have this entire sort of new universe within a universe uh built up and established mm-hmm. pretty nicely with with good intricacy and detail that makes it meaningful and that's I mean, I guess yeah. It seems like good writing. I was, I was hooked long <laughs> before this part. That's for sure. 
Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, the book hasn't even gotten, like, amazing yet to me. Yeah, not at like, all. Uh, but I will it's, say, it's really interesting. It's probably the wrong time to say it. I think the writing and, and development, and maybe it's just this way with all books, and you can probably tell that I don't read a lot of them, but the uh, the mm-hmm. writing and development is probably better and more thorough early on. Uh, but then later on, what it what it maybe lacks with some of the detail, uh, it makes up for with just major awesome plot point after major awesome plot point. Yeah. So uh, that yeah, being like said, character moments. Yeah. At the at the beginning, maybe the beginning third or so, though maybe even the beginning mm-hmm. half. Uh, very, very extremely written in in detail and intricacy, but not at all boring. And that's not uh, yeah. That's very rare in my experience. Yeah, like this this may sound like disrespect to it but it felt like reading a uh, a wiki page with a lot of in-depth character stuff i was like oh okay uh there is this avatar and he has these friends and then kyoshi grew up here but you know she also had a mentor this mentor and this mentor um because it's just starting to lay that foundation for all the characters but and already like i said most importantly doing all that got us hooked you're reading a wiki page but you're already hooked to it it's, yeah. it's impressive uh, but again i'm yeah. probably a little biased because i don't read a ton of books so probably not I the don't best literary it. critic hopefully that just speaks more to how good this is <laughs> hopefully that is a, a testament yeah um so they get they get prepared for the treaty to go ahead even after tagaka has like just uh kind of laid, laid out aired out everyone's dirty laundry you know they still gotta go through this treaty and she has hostages. That's what it is. And they need to get the hostages back. And then they all agree on that. But then uh, she says that she wants uh, Yokoha Village for some reason. Although that plot, that point doesn't really, isn't all that impactful. Because they never really go back to that. I, think I don't think. I mean, be, it, it, I think next book that's going to be way more impactful. But I think you're right. They don't, they don't do a lot with it mm. here. Okay. I think next book it's going to come back and be very important though. Yeah, uh, essentially they're they're getting ready to exchange the prisoners and everything, and and Tagaka she gives some really probably ba line that I that I don't remember, um, but she sees a mook there, <laughs> the, the waterbender in disguise, and she does this technique, and the way they describe it, it's like. Tagaka is leaned back over into is leaned back over with pretty much an icicle emitting from his chest with blood at the edge of it. She's like, did you not think that I wouldn't recognize my own kin? And that's when a whole freaking ambush happens. What a great kickoff to an ambush too. Like I already spotted your your undercover agent uh and yeah. I bested him at our own game like what a way to kick <laughs> off an ambush yeah and then from there it's really an all-out fight that is sort of hard to describe like so she had people um in the iceberg like underneath they they reach up and they you know carry people down to try and drown them so they carried down like pretty much all Team Avatar, except for Kyoshi, because she's so big. She didn't, <laughs> wasn't able to like her fit feet in the hole. <laughs> no, I don't know yeah. if that actually happened, but that's how I pictured it. I, I think she was like up to her torso, like her arms were still, you know, at ground level, and she found her way out. 
Um, so then they try and kidnap Janju, who is still the known as the Avatar, and Yoon. And they all Yoon. I'm sorry, Yoon. Yoon. Gosh, big mistake. Um, and Kyoshi tries to fight, uh, tries to fight her off, and it describes just a lot of fighting going on. But at this point, they've all been kind of separated. Like Hiron, Heron, and uh, Ranji has been separated. Kind of went underneath water, and Kelsang also went underneath the water. And pretty much just Kyoshi left with fighting Tagaka. And Tagaka's like, you have no earth here. Like, what are you going to do? And the way they describe this moment felt like the Avatar state, but it wasn't the Avatar state, <laughs> right? Because they say, like, she felt the power of, of, you know, of several folds of people helping her. And, and, uh, and she lifted just huge rocks from the depth of the ocean floor essentially onto the iceberg what, what and now she had it, some bidding to do what turned it was kind of a like i don't know if she like sort of just dis- tagaka like disposed of yoon trapped in ice or something like that uh something happened mm-hmm. that like made her sick like and kind of triggered yeah I, I couldn't really decide if it maybe was the avatar state and it was just that nobody was there to witness it or if it just wasn't supposed to be quite the Avatar state and we're actually just getting a glimpse at Kyoshi's legit awesome bending power. But definitely was triggered by, I want to say she like kicked Yoon off the side of the iceberg or something to that extent. I'm kind of forgetting the exact details, but it just had everything about the Avatar state other than saying that it was the Avatar state. Uh, but again, maybe, maybe yeah. just a testament to her awesome uh, grand scale bending powers. Yeah, so it's described as Kyoshi braced her stomach, filled her lungs, and slammed her feet onto the crowding bridge stance. Echoes of power rippled from her movement, hundredfold iterations of herself stamping on the ice. She was somehow both leading and being led by an army of benders. And then a column of gray stone seafloor exploded up from the surface of the ocean. So, like, just that part of, like, iterations of herself an army of benders sounds like that sounds pretty avatar, avatar state, state. <laughs> uh, well <laughs> but like, can, but, i suppose she could but connect. No going... she could connect with her previous states or with her previous selves outside yeah. of the avatar state do we ever establish that in the series um well usually you gotta go into the avatar state at least a little bit like, like once they master the avatar state they go into it real quick and then like they get at, they get access they get access to the power Okay, so um, yeah, it it's definitely reads or, like the Avatar maybe, State, but maybe there's yeah. just nobody that witnesses it either. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm fine to let it pass. Yeah, I was going to say, we're, get, we're pretty much getting a tip, though, like, one way or the other. Yeah. If she had, if she showed glowing eyes at this point, it would have given that too much away to, like, the other uh, people or the other characters yeah. around, so I was, I was fine with no white eyes. Yeah, like, let's let's keep it, let's keep some mystery. If they did happen, the only one yeah. that saw it was people that didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so pretty much they get into an all-out fight. And uh, I love the way they describe uh, uh, Yoon's fight. Like, he punches a slab that they were supposed to write their treaty on because that was the only earth around, and he forms, like, a fist around it. Um, but the slab has ink on it, and this ink just stays on his arm pretty much forever and into the afterlife. I thought that was really funny, and I wonder how that's going to come back. Like, it's too detailed <laughs> just to leave hang, so something's going to happen yeah. with that ink later. Yeah. Um, so they end up defeating uh, Tagaka and her people. I forget exactly. I think, uh, oh, once once Janju had Earth, 
it was pretty much an, a match over at that point. He's such a talented earthbender that he was able to uh, to take out uh, Tagaka and all of her men. And I think some people were killed. Or well, Amok definitely was killed. Yeah, that, that dude is dead. dead. <laughs> he is not coming back but, in, in Kyoshi too. Uh, well, if you think about all of, oh dang, I'm I'm, I'm just thinking about like because he I think he was um, Korok's waterbending master, right? So you think about Korok's masters. You have Kelsang, you have Amok, you have Heron, and you have Jianju. Like, oh man, <laughs> it is. It is not a good thing being being his master. Like you're gonna get gonna get killed. Something bad gonna happen. Uh, yeah, it's also some... worth pointing out uh, in this fight. So Jianju, I think they sort of exemplify that he take care, he takes care of the most. Uh, but even Kyoshi and pulling these these columns up, like maybe <clears> it's just my imagination, but I feel like she was also like pulling some of these columns up, like just through naval ships. Like she's just shrekking some of these ships on her own uh, as well in yeah. that initial pull. So. Uh, really cool mental imagery, at least that mine was drumming up through reading this. Really cool fight scene. Yeah, yeah. And that's bullet yeah, point so... number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's bu- oh gosh, oh, well, that's, three. That's we got three. That's three. That's okay. Good. Okay. And that's pretty much the iceberg battle. Yeah. Um, so then, uh, did something happen before this? Uh, yeah. Oh, did we miss? Did we miss a conversation with? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. We missed this whole conversation between Kelsang and Kyoshi, right? Uh, Kyo- they were at this uh, party for Avatar Yoon, and and uh, and they're in the like the bakery, just making stuff. And I really love this moment because it's just Kyoshi like having fun. They're singing these songs and doing this poetry stuff, right? You remember that? Yeah, that is before the iceberg battle, isn't it? Because yes. she's already yes. got some of this weighing on her mind. Uh, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. No, you're right. It's slightly before this, or maybe immediately before the meeting together. Yeah, yeah, it's, be- yeah, it's before they go to uh, the meeting, which I didn't put in my uh, notes. Um, but so she's singing. They're, they're doing this like haiku thing, where right, where you sing the song and... Gosh, I really want to like find it. Like ancient freestyle uh, rap, but poetry. Yes, yes. Okay, so I got it here. So Kyoshi has never done this before, right? And they're like doing, they're in the bakery, like making little, I don't know, streusels or whatever. I don't know what they're making. <laughs> but <clears throat> she uh, she says some poetry. One of her poetry, which I think is telling to her sexuality, or maybe I'm just looking too much into it. Uh, she says, I've got two knives that are cast in bronze. They pierce all the way to the soul. They draw you in with the promises of sin, like the moth to the flame to the coal. And then, like, I just imagine, like, all the kitchen workers, like, oh, oh. Like, they're all having, like, fun. Oh, and stuff. shit. She's got <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Exactly, right? And, and the way, you know, it, it's, it seems like such a very, like, light moment. And she keeps on going with it. And the reason why I, I think that, is is uh talking about her bisexuality only because she says she got two knives that are cast in bronze and all that just seems like two strong people and uh and they can draw you in with the promise of sin <laughs> and uh, i just I'm, took i might be reading I'm too much notoriously into that. bad at like at picking up on on subtleties so i will trust <laughs> your judgment here it very well could be uh 
Yeah. Like I said, if I say I didn't read it that way, that doesn't mean anything. So I'm just bad <laughs> at, at picking up nuances like that. So my vote counts not. Oh, here. gosh. Man, we really got to get through some more of this, but it's so detailed. I don't want to miss a lot of great stuff. Anyway, the last one is uh, that she says is, For the way I walk is a lantern lit that leads you into the night. I'll hold you close and love you the most until our end is in, is in sight. And at that point, Kelsang is with her, and it's described that he just grabs the crap out of her arm to a point that when he lets go, he's shocked that he was grabbing her that hard. And like the way they describe it, she le- he leaves a map of red on her arm. Maybe even drew um, blood with his nails. Hand. I think it Yeah, yeah, his nails were like... Which yeah. is kind of weirdly detailed and significant. Like, no, he actually drew blood. That's how hard he's going. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so afterwards, he apologized. I'll keep going. Well, I was going to say, and, and this is... Uh, and this is the first time where we see anyone else get uh, get a glimpse of that maybe Kyoshi is the Avatar. And in my mind, mm-hmm. the first time where we start to understand some of the... Like, uh, when you watch Avatar The Last Airbender, you just, hey, there's an Avatar, and there's always been an Avatar, and there always <laughs> is an Avatar. They don't, uh, they don't introduce us to the process very much, but what's significant about this is uh, we are finally sort of introduced to like a, a search, an element of doubt. Like, no, we still have to go find this person. It's not like there's a, a golden arrow in the sky pointing down to a kid. Like, hey, here's the next one. Like, you have to find this human. And uh, I think this is the first revelation in the greater Avatar universe of that this uh, that there's a search involved. I guess, and I that I thought that was pretty significant. Yeah. Also, I think it goes into just how desperate they were. Because so Kelsang brings her to the side. He's like, because this poetry is things that you just come up off the top of your head. And he says, like, that cadence, all those words, was an exact word-for-word thing that Avatar Quirk told me. It was about Heron, and he's never told anybody else that. And you would only know that if you were his past life. Or, Or he was your past life. And he's still not, like... 100% 100% confirmed here, but he's like, it's now 50-50 that either Yoon is the Avatar or you're the Avatar, and I and I can't say which one exactly. And this, you know, instead of being all excited, right, for Kiyoshi, she, this thought traumatizes her. She's like, no, I know my life. Like, I had a very crappy life before, right? And now I, got and now I have life. a really, yeah, I have a pretty good life. I have friends. I have a process. I have a job. Like, but and Yoon is great. Yoon don't is going to be a great avatar. Really hurt yeah. my, like, don't make me overthrow one of my best friend's entire being. Yes, yes. Please. Yeah, she feels she feels for him like she doesn't want this to happen at all. Um, and he's like, "Well, all right, we'll keep it to ourselves for now." So then, after that whole incident on the iceberg, it was like, "All right, this he has to tell people. He he has to get over it. And he has to tell people that Kyoshi." is possibly the Avatar, along with Yoon. Oh, and the way they found that Yoon could be the Avatar is that the way he plays Pai Shou, it was the moves and the sets and everything was very similar to how Avatar Quirk played Pai Shou, which sounds and sounds like less impressive than what Kyoshi did, or maybe just as impressive, but also Kyoshi lifted a whole freaking iceberg, a whole freaking rock. This, was <laughs> like, a, this is the part I was getting excited about earlier, uh, because it stresses the importance of throughout this entire series, uh, playing Pai Show or being good at Pai Show is sort of directly <laughs> yes. parallel to sort of strategic mastery uh, of greater things. Like, 
Uh, we yeah. just uh, you look at Iro or even Kurek, who terrible avatar, yes, but like strategically uh, masterful, <laughs> also yes. Yeah. And so there's direct. So it seems less impressive, but maybe in their eyes, like this kid playing blindly out of a bag of pie show tiles and happening to like fall out strategically similar to Kurek. Uh, in their heads, maybe that's way more impressive, almost because it's like he's blind bagging it. Uh, but then in in my head, it sort of separated immediately the fact that he wasn't. I don't want to say that he wasn't doing it on on purpose, but the fact that he was doing it sort of at at random, like that's not an avatar thing. That's more of a, uh, a uh, I don't want to say trickery. That's not the right word. But like if he was really channeling his past lives, he'd be playing things or be drawn to play things maybe not necessarily knowing why i guess so the fact that he's drawn mm, him out of a bag i'm like that's you. not very yeah. avatar transition yeah but yeah maybe it wasn't like by chance probably more important or yeah or seemed cooler at least because a pie show equals military and political strategy <laughs> in this entire universe <laughs> yes which that, that brings up they introduce a member of the white lotus later on in, in the book which yeah. i don't know if you noticed that or not <laughs> that was so exciting yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love them. Anyway, we'll get to that moment. Um, they do, hey, they do but... a lot of that throughout the entire book of where they do introduce <laughs> things. I hate unnecessary origin stories. Uh, looking at you, X Men, but the they do a lot of nice, cute little origin uh, allusions here without beating it into your face, and I really appreciate that through the whole novel. Yeah. Sorry, side tangent. No. Um... So uh, it's important to note that Kelsang got really badly injured in the battle on the iceberg. And so when they go back, like everybody, everybody knows that Kyoshi might be the avatar and they start treating her like a lot, lot different. <laughs> like they, like uh, Ranji is like, has this been a whole lie to you? Like you just wanted to, are you just lying to us? Like you just wanted to come in and take um, Yoon's destiny from him and Kyoshi feels the same freaking way, but she knows it's not a lie. Like, Kyoshi's like, I didn't ask for this. I don't want to take this away from him. I don't want to be the Avatar. I can't bend pebbles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, they think it could be Kyoshi because Yoon, who has trained in firebending for a really long time, can't firebend. And, but no one knows that, <laughs> except for Kelsang and Janju and, and Heiron. And it's important because I was frustrated at first, but they elaborate later that uh, they're not going to let him, like he doesn't get to try the other bending until he mm -hmm. gets fire bending first, because that's the order that you're supposed to learn bending in. So we don't know that he can't quote unquote pin the other ones, uh, but that here is going to be trained in order and it goes earth fire. So if he can't get fire, you don't get to try the other two uh, in these cases. And that does become important at first. That was frustrating to me. I was like, come on, let him, let him try some air or something, you know, but doesn't work that way. Very traditional avatar household. Yeah. Uh, so Janju is like, all right, I got to figure out who's the avatar is. There's one way I know. So they go to like some spirit, right? He takes Janju, he, take, he takes Yoon and Kyoshi to go see the spirit. Now, I will say there are a lot of great moments between, uh, I think, uh, Yoon and Kyoshi. There's a moment that they talk about before they go on this uh, this trip to end all trips. Um, <laughs> trip. <laughs> like, <laughs> on a trip. Sorry, drug reference. Um, and uh, and Yoon is like, 
still upbeat about it. He's like, oh, hey, you know what? Maybe Avatar, let's, you know, we'll be fine, right? Like, he, he puts on a really good face. He's trying to be a good friend and let Kyoshi down easy, I think is what they say yes. later. Yeah, he's, yeah, he, he's kind of like, oh, I'm the Avatar. I mean, he's been groomed to be the Avatar. But also, I think he does, maybe there's a hint of, of uncertainty, and maybe he is putting on a nice face and being kind to her. But they also bring up this time that they were, like, flirting with each other, which is just a beautiful moment, how she was, like, cutting petals and just throwing them in her in his face, and they almost kissed, and he almost kissed her. And that's just, it was just a beautiful moment I could easily visualize in my head. It was, uh, it was very touching, and just another... Uh, how old are these kids? We're talking 16 and 17? Like 16. Right. 16, And yeah. so uh, important to remember yourself at 16 and like just overwhelming weird <laughs> kinds of emotions and things that you're feeling <laughs> at that age and they do a nice job of giving us some glimpses into some of that in a very in a very cute uh positive way i don't i don't know if i'm describing if i'm articulating myself here but they do a nice job of wrapping that in again without necessarily beating us over the face of hey high school is really hard we don't have to deal with all that but you still get some <laughs> emotional uh turmoil or high turnover and i thought that was nice oh crap oh um so yeah so uh janju takes them to the spirit he pretty much says hey spirit tell me which one is which <laughs> it's that simple some really i don't want to call him a dark spirit but he's uh yeah, definitely not a happy dark. one yeah <laughs> he's pretty mad too yeah and this is on a it's on like a distant remote island they took ping ping the the air bison uh, they like he's got all this jianju's got all this planned out very meticulously they are they are far away from civilization right he took ping ping right the three of them yes yeah. yes took ping ping which is um monk uh monk Helsing's um uh bison and pretty much the spirit just says like Kyoshi's the avatar I mean, he could probably sense Rava inside of him, even though they didn't care to explain that. And that seems like and suddenly, though. yeah. And then you know they mentioned that like Yoon's spirit had just broken inside of him. He really didn't think that he wasn't the Avatar. And pretty much at this point, uh, the spirit is trying to take Kyoshi, but I think Yoon saves her, and then Janju just pretty much grabs Kyoshi. It takes her off. Does not attempt at all to save Yoon one single bit. I sort of read it too is that he, when the spirit, and so not just he didn't try to save him, but the spirit grabs Yoon instead of Kyoshi, like a classic, like push Kyoshi out of the way, spirit grabs Yoon. And then Jianju, oh, yeah. like closing the, the, the entrance to the cave yes. behind the spirit, like I'm not just not going to save him. I'm going to be like, all right, he's all yours. Let's get out of here. So, yeah, it was pretty much a, a sacrifice. Very Batman Begins. Don't have to save you either. Yeah, um, yeah. That passage says the spirit pulled. Um, tendril wrapped around Yoon's. Okay, yeah. So instead of attacking the two of them, the tendril wrapped around Yoon from neck to hip. His face was a pale as clay. He wouldn't move his limbs. Every fear Kyoshi had of taking from him what he treasured most had come to pass in a thundering instant. There's only one more thing left for him to lose. No, Kyoshi saw it. Please, no. Spirit pulled, and Yoon flew backward into the tunnel, disappearing into the darkness. As Janju punched his fists upward to seal the passage shut once more with Solid Mountain, 
till she found her voice again. She screamed pure fire and flames shot out of her mouth like the rage of a dragon. Like, Kyoshi is pissed she, at this. Pretty much firebending, right, as we speak. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Way to master the first one uh, in a hurry, Kyoshi. Make up for lost time. <laughs> yeah, and then she goes into the Avatar state. I don't know where that is. That passage is... Or does something... Oh, so I do want to say they're kind of talking about it, right? <laughs> she doesn't go into Avatar state yet. And and Jianchu is pretty much describing, like, you need me, right? His, his is that passage is, without my influence, you turn into nothing more than a traveling peddler of favors, flopping here and there with your decisions, squattering your authority on petty boons and handouts. You'd end up living, you end up a living party trick, a vendor who can shoot water and breathe fire and spit useless advice, a girl who paints the walls a pretty color while the house rots at its foundation. The thing about that passage is that I feel like he's just describing Kurik. <laughs> He's very much reliving his own past. I think yeah. it's a good passage to make him, uh, a, I don't know if relatable is the right word, but a very real feeling villain. Uh, because mm-hmm. earlier, like I said, we get kind of friend and, and, and master Jianju, and later he he evolves into far much more villainy or whatever. Uh, but this passage kind of hits home that like, no, he, I that feels real like that. He might have uh, evil intentions or bad intentions and bad means to get there, but I like I think that passage is very real and very descriptive of actually the real person that he is, and that maybe he's not. I don't want to say he's not the bad guy, but at this point we still don't necessarily know that he's the bad guy. I, I don't think. I, I mean, I think we're developing to there, but uh, I guess yeah. At this point, at this point, you could still sort of. Yeah, you can still validate his actions, right? And especially yeah. he can validate his actions. You know, he he had no choice but to save Kyoshi. Like he wasn't gonna risk losing Kyoshi, who is really his chance to redeem not only his honor, but Quirk's honor, his best friend. And and Yoon wasn't anything to him at that point, which is really sad to hear. Like at one point he calls him a swindler. He's like, if only I hadn't been wasting my time with that swindler and I've been training you, like you've gone too long without training and, and everything. Pretty pretty harsh <laughs> and yet in a very political was... way you can you, like I said, he's he's still very real at this point. He's not like crazy or anything yet. Yeah. Um and then Kelsang comes around and Kelsang is still weak. And he had to fly in on his glider. The, the way they describe him landing, I think, was really good, because uh, his glider was was badly hurt, and I think it represents him. Like he tries to close it, and it doesn't even close right, and uh, and pretty much he sticks up for Kyoshi. At this point, Kyoshi, oh, um, Chanju had like pretty much just captured her, like put her in rock that she couldn't break out of, and then when Kelsang got there, he finally let her go. And Kelsang is pretty much like she's going with me. You will never be around the avatar again and this like hits Jianju like horribly bad like he he needs the avatar he needs to be the one to to train her and and they kind of have this like talk it's sort of friendly at first um and Kyoshi I think she just feels like a small innocent little girl in, in this moment and I say girl not like a I would have said little boy anyway. 
a small little defenseless person who wants to run behind her father figure to protect her. And even though she is a mountainous, very tall woman, um, as tall as, as Kelsang is, um, you know, she kind of shrinks behind him and he kind of vows to protect her. And he has a fight with his friend. And he is just trying to push his friend away with airbending, essentially knock him back against the wall so they can escape. And the way they describe it is like, well, no, they were fighting two different battles. Jianju was trying to kill. And Jianju is so freaking, so freaking talented with his bending is that it will be dumb to shoot a huge rock over at him, right? The wind would just take it. But instead, he just had this like chip. Like I just imagine like, like the size of a toothpick. <laughs> And that, or a little thicker, much thicker, but like the length of a toothpick. And he can get it to just to go right in between the wind um, that John, that Kelsang shoots at him and it hits him right where he's most vulnerable. And they really describe this like there's just, you know, something sticking out of Kelsang's neck and blood spits out. And then he falls and his head bangs against the ground. Our first gory, horrible, violent death of the book. And uh, I I really like the description of the fight, and I like that his that that's description of Jianju's bending style is kind of opposite to what we know of Kyoshi at this point. You know, his is all about very strict, very very strict accuracy and precision. And, and so far, what we know about Kyoshi is that she can't do that at all. So that's kind of just a nice dichotomy there. Yeah, and then right after that, it says, those were the last things Kyoshi saw before the white glow behind her eyes took over her entire being. And we don't really get a, a glance into what happened in her avatar state. We know it was very destructive, um, but Jianju survived, and uh, she gets on to um, Ping Ping, and she goes back to Yokoho, and she grabs, well, we are not even halfway through this book, but so much to talk about. <laughs> to be fair, the action, the action uh, picks up in sort of faster chunks from here on forth. So we I may think not so. be halfway yeah. through the book, but I feel like we might be about halfway I think through so. the conversation. I do, I do think so. Yeah. Um, so her and and uh, Ranji gets on, um, her and Ranji, gets on the pain ping and Kyoshi has like a plan. But Kyoshi knows she can't go really anywhere because Jianju is back at the manor. Yes. Uh, yeah, back at the manor. Yeah. Um and she knows that her parents she has like a, a journal and she's read this journal before and she she knows that she can go somewhere. Like she she has vengeance on her mind right now. She's like, I'm going to kill Jianju, if it's the last thing that I do, like he killed my my father figure, he killed my best friend, and I will not rest until he's dead. <laughs> like this whole book is really a mission of revenge for Kyoshi, <laughs> uh, which is so so Kyoshi, uh, but she's not capable of anything right now. She's far more satisfying in a way. Yeah, she's still weak. Um, so Ranji believes her, and and they go off and. And Kyoshi grabs all her belongings, all her very important belongings. There's a chest uh, with some things from that she inherited from her mother. Um, and they go off to uh, Chameleon Bay, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then we'll, I'll kind of move a little quickly through this part. 
Um, they meet, a, I would say, a ragtag group of Dao Fei, which is uh, translated to criminal, I believe. Sort of a um, general and, term for, all, like, it, it's used for various groups of criminals in the Like outlaws? Yeah. I feel like it's more of, like, out, maybe more so outlaws than criminals. I was thinking, like, organized crime is Dao Fei, right? Like, it, it, it seems to apply to organizations as a whole, kind of. But I might have been reading that differently. Like, yeah. like a petty thief, that guy's not a Dao Fei, but if you're one of these gangs or this underworld, that's Dao Fei. Hmm. In my head. Probably not important at all. Yeah. Um, so, Kyoshi and Ranji get on Pang Pang, and they travel to Kamehameha Bay, and they go to this bar, and like all these instructions are written in Kyoshi's book. Yeah, it's very organized. Very organized. And, and she knows exactly what like code words to say, to get her, because she knows she can't trust anyone that's lawful, because Jianju has connections absolutely everywhere. And so she reluctantly, in a, uh, in a sense, goes to them, and she meets um, this group that will be called the Flying Opera Company, <laughs> which I absolutely love that name. It's pretty cool. Um, it, is, it is made up of, of uh, this guy named uh, Laoji? Laoji? I went with Laoji. That's what I said. Laoji? Okay. Laoji, who's like this really old guy. And turns out he's like 200 years old and he's like a 200 year old assassin. <laughs> and, uh, and Kyoshi's mom in her journal wrote about him. Um, and then there's a woman named Karama or Karima. Oh, Karima? Not Karama for some reason. I got another eye in there. So I'm going to say Karima. Okay, Karima. Um, she's a waterbender. And then a guy named Wong. Correct? Mm hmm. Wong, yes, and he is an earthbender and like a really little kid named Leek. He's probably like 14, maybe 12? Yeah. 12 to 14? I, I, I think that's definitely much... they don't they don't say it specifically, but it's implied yeah. that he's notably younger even than Kyoshi yes. and Ranji. Yeah. So I, I'm going to say like 13 or something. That's fair. Um and at this point like Ranji does not like the plan at all cuz Ranji's very like strict like she's very about law and stuff she's fire um, nation royalty essentially like yeah she's essentially put yes. up with this outlaw nonsense mm -hmm. um why fans um oh so we get introduced they get introduced to each other and uh and they're really excited to get an airbender back because they're like oh yeah we had air we had a bison uh, you know, back when Jessa and I forgot her father's name um, was, I can't but and at this, point, yeah, at this point, Ranji didn't know that Kyoshi's parents were outlaws. Kyoshi didn't tell her that, and then it gets to the point where, um, where they mention like, oh yeah, we used to ride a bison all the time, and Ranji is like, well, whose bison was it? Well, it was Jessa's bison. Like, does that mean what I think it means? And she's like, yes, my mother. Um, my mother is an air nomad, and that was like one of the, one of the first like jaw dropping like excitingly moments. Not one of the first, but it was just an exciting moment uh, that you figure out that Kyoshi is half air nomad. Um, but uh, not like a bomb which job, is, but yeah, it's pretty exciting. It is. Well, also, so I think I mentioned this to you before. Like one of the first episode, of course, one of the first episodes of the series is uh, the Kyoshi Warriors. And Aang 
and I was really confused because you know I'm getting I'm I'm getting introduced to the, the world of Avatar, and they talk about all right, the Avatar has past lives. Like I got that and everything, and then I knew they were in the Earth Kingdom, and they mentioned Kyoshi being the Avatar. I was like, well, she looks like an air nomad. She has fans. Like, what was the Earth Kingdom? I thought Kyoshi was the air nomad uh, avatar before Aang was. I was really confused about that. About that. And they're like, and then finally got to my head. I know she was the Earth Bender. It still fans. never like, come on. It's... Yeah, <laughs> and it still never like hit me. Like, oh, I guess she uses fans because fans is cool. And then, but now it's find out. Like, oh, well, I was right the whole time. Well, I was half right that she was half air nomad. Jessa and Hark. Yes, Jess and Hark. Um, and there's a there's an action sequence here that they kind of run from the cops because Kyoshi kind of made too fuzz, much. Yeah. yeah, that's not all that interesting. Um, honestly, it, it wins I them mean, over it's... when they see that uh, that she's a bad Earthbender, but she is an Earthbender and not an Airbender. Um, yeah, it wins them over is not the right term. It uh, revel- reveals her to them as a bad Earthbender. Yeah. Um, and then at this point, after all that, you know, <laughs> after all that, um, Kyoshi is like, all right, listen, are you guys going to finally do agree to our deal? Which is pretty much Kyoshi wants to be trained in all these different arts of bending. But then she can be tough enough to go beat a uh, Janju. And uh, <laughs> uh, one of the passages is uh, Kyoshi says, we need to talk. Last night, we were interrupted before I agreed to anything. And then Kirima says, oh, come on, really? After what we've been through, you want to take your bison and dish us in the middle of nowhere? And then Wong says, we shared a meal. <laughs> Wong said, looking genuinely hurt. We beat up lawmen together. <laughs> like, you fight off the fuzz like that, you're bonded. Yeah, you know how, like, sometimes you, you just project certain characters in, in any media onto characters you read? Well, I was projecting um, that big guy from Mulan onto Wong. The heavy fella, yeah. What is his name? Yeah. I can't think of him. That sounds like a real I don't remember. comparison. Like, come on, we ate food yeah. together. Yeah, we ate food together. <laughs> we shared a meal. We beat up lawmen. Sacred. Yeah, it's, yeah, eating food together and being a lawman is sacred. I only um, wonder there... what she cooks like. Sorry, I'm a terrible exactly. I love, I, yeah. Great song, though. Beef. Pork, chicken, yum. That the local girl saw you look like the charmer. Anyway, I know that whole song by heart. I got My favorite part of that song is uh, when Mulan is like, um, a girl with brains who always speaks her mind? And they're like, yeah. nah. <laughs> As a kid, to me, that was hilarious. As an adult, to me, it's like, oh, that's kind of yeah, too much on those. Um, yeah, but so before, uh, before they agree to everything, they're like, well, listen, you got to become one of us, which means you got to take your oaths to be a, a real Dalfei. And because they got to do this on the fly, there's really like I don't know, fifty oaths or something to take. They're like, all right, we'll just give you three. The big three, right here. And yeah. And the uh, the three oaths were, I shall swear these oaths. I swear to defend my brothers and sisters and obey the commands of my elders. Their kin will be my kin, their blood my blood. Should I fail to uphold this vow, may I be hacked to death by many knives. And then that's when it is, I swear to follow no ruler 
and be beholden to no law, should I become the lackey of any crown or country, may I be ripped apart by thunderbolts. And so, like, I think it's interesting that Kyoshi, oh, in the third one, um, last I swear never to make an honest living from those who abide by the law, I will take no legitimate wage, work for no legitimate man. Should I ever accept coin for my labors, may I be sliced to bits by various knives. So, like, all these oaths don't necessarily contradict her being the avatar. If anything, some of it, like, enforce her being the avatar because the avatar doesn't answer to anyone, right? That's the point of it. It's like laws can be corrupt. Politicians can be corrupt. Countries can be corrupt. But the avatar always remains pure and doesn't answer to anybody. So I think it was really great that that she hoped some of these really true. Like, she honestly, like, getting money from people, that's not an avatar thing, but she could still get Avatars is still paid to do jobs. With was like, okay, I can see how she's gonna like not not skirt around, but actually embrace these other two as the avatar. But it's like, where's she? How's she gonna pay the bills? No legitimate wage. Like, yeah. maybe people are just gonna bring her food and stuff. Like, hey, you're the mm-hmm. avatar. You don't have to pay bills. You live in this shanty over here that you earth bent up, and we'll bring you some food. Yeah, something like that. Uh, pretty, pretty much. That, that was the hardest <laughs> one for me to wrap my brain around. But I completely agree. It's sort of a nice precursor to. Uh, you are not really within the realms of ordinary men. You have to be something. Yeah, and uh, men in a general sense, you have to be something greater. Yeah, you can tell that the way you know it's interesting in this book. I've never read a book before where it wasn't in the first person, to where it's a very high up narrator just narrating kind of the thoughts of the characters. Um, but I found it to be really good, though. It wasn't expecting me to like it because you can get in the head of several different characters at the same time, the same chapter. Um, and here, like, Kyoshi is thinking to herself, like, oh, well, I can do this. Okay, well, this will be the hardest one. But she's taking it seriously. She's not like, oh, I'm going to take these oaths and then just disregard them. No oaths mean something to her. She is loyal, man. Earthbenders, they're the, they're the Hufflepuff of the <laughs> Avatar world. They're loyal. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder mm-hmm. if every house correlates to a bank. Let me think about that. We'll come back to that in another episode. Oh, well, Slytherin would be the Firebenders, right? Pretty obvious, right? But then uh, Ravenclaw. Yeah. What's the smarter? Maybe Ravenclaw is like air nomads for 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 peaceful and intelligent, and then that leaves Gryffindor yeah. as uh, water. Probably benders. Earth. Finger of water. Okay, uh, you know more about Harry Potter than I do. And there's not a perfect fit. The more I'm thinking about it, but the Hufflepuff <laughs> loyalty thing. That's all I was drawn on. And uh, again, it's, at this point though, you don't really take it as a as a positive characteristic of Kyoshi, you're like, man, she's really hell bent on revenge against this guy that we, I mean, I get at this point that we know that he's the villain, but I maintain and I'll harp on it through this entire book is that he, he is the villain of this book, but you feel like maybe in Kyoshi's mind, like she's still overdoing it to a point. Like he's still a real, he's he's an evil politician, not a, not an earth threatening bad guy to this point i guess but yeah um and going back to uh leak leak i think is probably the most interesting character of these new people especially with his dynamic with kiyoshi because he was really adopted by kiyoshi's parents and so them two really hate each other (laughs) to begin with like kiyoshi uh completely hates him and resents him because kiyoshi's parents abandoned her but they picked up some other kid and the way that Kyoshi talks about, like, once Kyoshi, Kyoshi doesn't know that her parents are dead. Like, 
<laughs> like when she finds out they're dead, she's like, oh, I guess things catch up. Like she says some snarky remark about it. And Leek is like offended by this, like greatly. He's like, your parents were honorable people. And, you know, they, you know, pretty much took me in and everything. So those two completely resent and hate each other. So it's just a really interesting character dynamic that evolves and grows throughout time. And I think their relationship is probably the second most um, just dynamic and beautiful one that does not end in a great way. <laughs> but um, Yeah, so we're introducing them. Then we are introduced to kind of the leader of the Dao phase. And that is um, Moke. Moke, right? I've been saying Mock. I'll take. I'll follow your lead, though. Mok? I think you probably have a better okay. grasp mm. on this stuff. Yeah, I don't know why I said Moke, but Moke sounds fine. Moke sounds fine. Um, Let's go with Moke. Uh, so this is where stuff is going to pick up. I think as you and I are talking, I think this is where we're going to be able to <laughs> pick up the pace because there is uh, a lot of political and planning and stuff that we probably won't have to touch on. So um, much as it doesn't feel like we're halfway through, I think technically... We're yeah, I think we are kind of happy. We're, yeah, we're about halfway yeah, through. I think so. Um, so they go to this like they go to this big city with a bunch of Dalfei there, like all the Dalfei is there, and then Moak is there, and he's with this guy named Wei. And I just want to mention real quick that Wei like Leek says something. They call one thing they call Moak Uncle Uncle Moak, and uh, Leek says something like pretty fine. He just talks like out of hand, and then this guy named Wei like completely like cuts his palm real quick and like leak is like hurting and it pisses off like everybody and and kiyoshi and uh but moke's like the big head guy and they also have these things that are kind of like like to settle grievances to people you fight them on this like pillar of earth something like that and you pretty much can fight them to the death if you want it's kind of like a a agony kai but for anybody (laughs) for anything it could be non-bending bending different bending weapons uh, whatever. And there's an important moment here because we had to realize that Ranji and Kyoshi, their relationship is being kind of tested right now. Like Ranji, I think, is doing everything in her power to hold back from just being furious at Kyoshi. Like Kyoshi is sort of just abandoning being the avatar and now she's leaving this life of a criminal. And the thing about Ranji is that she also she's all about honor. She Great, gratefully respects the title of the avatar and how everything needs to be handled. Um, and in this moment, in order to get Kyoshi's attention, Ranji goes into this fight, and this fight is essentially to the death. She does handle herself Picks the really well. Picks the baddest dude in the place that's fresh off of uh, stomping some other guy's face in the ground. Yes, yeah, and they mentioned that. Uh, it's a pretty good detailed fight that I'm not going to go too much into. Um, but she does kind of get knocked a little bit unconscious a little bit there and Kyoshi thinks she's like just playing possum but no she was really knocked out and eventually she gets up and she beats the guy and uh she even like she beats the crap out of him so bad that he has to stay like just the whole yeah. way up the I don't know if they said the whole way up his ankle or something yeah she did get like a really big her face was bruised and everything and afterwards like Moke was like oh, look at this girl. Like, she's going to be a leader one day. And, like, they all have, like, dinner and stuff because they celebrate and and everything. And and uh, and then afterwards, um, Kyoshi, and, Kyoshi and Ranji are 
are kind of arguing about like Kyoshi's mad at her. She's like, you took that risk for no reason. Like you didn't have to be up there. You just drew attention to yourself. And Ranji's like, this was the only thing I could do to get your attention. Um, so, and you know, they're just, they're having a, a very heated kind of conversation. Um, you know, Ranji says to her, it wasn't supposed to be like this. Um, it shouldn't have gone this way. Um, it says Kyoshi understood her friend's disappointment. The shiny new era the world was supposed to get after so many years of strife, the champion whom Raji had trained to protect had been stolen from them and replaced with Kyoshi. So at this point of their conversation, Kyoshi, I think, feels like she's disappointed Ranji. Um, and she says, I know Yoon would have been a much better, and she's about to say Avatar, and Ranji interrupts her and says, no, forget Yoon for once. Forget being the Avatar. Ranji lost about to restrain herself and smack Kyoshi hard across her collar. It's not supposed to be this way for you. Kyoshi went silent, mostly because Ranji had hit her too hard, but also from surprise. You think you don't deserve peace and happiness and good things, but you do, Ranji yelled. You, Kyoshi, not the Avatar, but you. She closed the distance and wrapped her arms around Kyoshi's waist. The embrace was a clever way to hide her face. Do you, have, do you have any idea how painful it's been for me to follow you on this journey where you're so determined to punish yourself? She said, watching you treat yourself like an empty vessel for revenge when I've known you since you were a servant girl who couldn't bend a pebble. The avatar can be reborn, but you can't, Kyoshi. I don't want to give up. I don't want to give you up to the next generation. I couldn't bear to lose you. So these are just some very greatly written moments with just such great care detail like you get way more inside of, of Ranji's psyche and how she feels about Kyoshi. Um, and she continues to say, I wish I could give you your due. Ranji muttered some time had passed. The wisest teachers, armies to defend you, a palace to live in. Uh, Kyoshi raised an eyebrow. The avatar gets a palace? No, but you deserve one. And Kyoshi says, I don't need it. I don't need an army. I have you. Raji scoffed. A lot of good I've been so far. If I were better at my job, you would never feel scared, only loved, adored by all. And then Kyoshi says, I do feel loved. And the way they write this is that, you know, Kyoshi gently nudged Raji's chin upward. She can no prevent herself from doing this than when she could keep from breathing, living, fearing. And uh, Kyoshi kisses Raji on the lip, which, <laughs> which this moment sounds, it's, it's a, honestly it's an incredible moment. I think it's the best moment for any couple in an avatar, which sounds like uh, hyperbole, but I, I think it is. It sounds like a big statement, but it's probably the best, uh, the best developed at least. Like it just, it's very gratifying. It's, uh, I don't know, it just feels like, feels like the perfect timing in in every respect, and it's been very well developed leading up to this point in the book. It just feels right. Uh, this coming from a guy who, by the way, pretty not anti-relationship in this stuff, but like I don't deal in a lot of serious materials very often. Uh, I don't need sure. to, like romance when I'm watching cartoons and things like that. Um, and so, uh, again, sort of like my feeling toward the book overall. Like, hopefully, my my general lack of taste for that stuff, not opposition. I just usually doesn't impact me or mean that much to me. Uh, but in this case, 
hopefully it's a testament to how well developed and how uh, how cool a moment this was that it was very exciting for me and very gratifying very gratifying yeah it's then um quickly it's it's quickly followed up by like awkward moment because right when Kyoshi kisses her she like repulses back <laughs> as if and you as, as a reader is supposed to think like oh crap Kyoshi misread this moment <laughs> and she struck and, out and, real bad <laughs> yeah and like oh and Kyoshi feels this way she's like holy crap holy crap like I've, I've ruined everything this is like my best friend and everything and and uh, and it wasn't the case like Raji had just been punched in the lip, <laughs> so she just was hurting from getting kissed. And they share a very nice moment, and they do spend the night together. Um, and then, <laughs> then they're woken up the next morning by a uh, Karima, and like Karima is just like looking at them, and like I don't know how to describe giving them like it, the, the corny googly eyes kind of. Yeah, like. Like uh, you two have a good night. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And uh, and then like she has this moment of like I could lie right now and 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 uh, and say that that's not what it's looked like. But she has a feeling like, no, you know what? Ever since I found out I was Avatar, I've been hiding who I am. I'm still hiding who I am, and I'm not gonna hide this. This feels like the the best me i am this feels like the person i should be i'm not gonna hide it and then she just comes out and says it's exactly what you think it is and and both of them are in agreement <laughs> with it they, they share a look i feel like if this was like Korra and asami Korra would not even bother looking at asami <laughs> it would just be like <laughs> just be like this is me and get over it i'm lesbian deal with it and i'm the avatar or bisexual or whatever um, <laughs> but uh, it was a great moment, she and they all handled it uh, fairly well. Uh, so then I was trying to kind of skip a little tour, uh, a little farther up. So they have a mission from Mo to from Moke, not Mo. <laughs> and they went, that's the that's the key. There is that they went to <clears throat> Hujang. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. For work, is, yeah. And when they got there, they're like, "Hey." This is actually a real terrible idea. We need to get out ASAP. But then Moke caught them mm -hmm. and gave them yes. a mission. So, you know, <laughs> he found some work for them. But yeah. The and at the same time, at the same time, Lao Ji, uh, or Lao Gi, the old immortal assassin guy, is on a mission to kill this, like, governor, uh, T, of the Earth Kingdom, because he's a bad governor. Like, his people go hungry, and he doesn't do anything about it. Um, he could do something about it, but he doesn't. And so Lao Ki is like, oh, I'm going to kill this guy. And he tells Kyoshi all about this. Um, also, at some point, he tells Kyoshi how... that he is an assassin. Yes. She, she got yeah. it out of her mom's journal. Yeah. Um, which is interesting, because he, he's like... At one point, they're having this conversation. He's like, you, don't you want to know how I'm immortal? And she's like, no, I don't care. <laughs> and he's like, once usually people... <laughs> Once usually people find this out about me, they want to know. But only two people who haven't is your mother and you. Um, and he kind of tells her a little bit about how, like, the body aging is just your body breaking down. And you can train yourself to fit those little parts in your body piece by piece. And you can stay immortal, essentially. Um, and so he's on a mission to kill. Everyone is kind of confounding in this one spot. 
he's on a mission to kill this governor and they're on a mission to save Moke's friend from, from prison, essentially. Um, and at the same time, we haven't gotten to Jianju. We'll get to him later. Well, yeah, we'll get to him later. That's fine. Yeah, and um, it's, it's not, uh, it can all be explained in one scene. I think, on. yeah. Um, and so they all go uh, to this stronghold or wherever the governor is at, and they pretty much have this mission. Um, Kyoshi also, oh, you know what? I skipped over. It's really not a big I skipped over the part. All, all you did the next day, uh, they go back into the, into the city. Um, I forget what for. But essentially, Jianju uh, had uh, bought these very expensive, rare sheer shoes that people, shoe weren't, shoes. Even, yes. people weren't even sure they were still alive to be able to yeah. track down Kyoshi. And so they did track Kyoshi down to the city and, and ravage the city. And mm-hmm. we understand that there is some suspicion or that there will be suspicion <laughs> that like, hey, these two strangers show up that we've never seen before. <laughs> and all of a sudden these sheer shoes show up and just, they, I mean, they wreck shop. So uh, I don't want to gloss over it, but for the sake of like priorities, that's that's really yeah. all well, that happens at this point or at that. Well, point. the moment that the moment that I think is is important um, is like they they confront her about it. The leaders of the people of the uh, flying opera company, they're like, "What's going on here?" Because they clearly saw that the Shushi was going after Kyoshi, and uh, and Kyoshi tells them like, "I'm the Avatar," <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of and, fun uh, picturing that scene in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they kind of just, just at, at first they just disregard her, like you're not the avatar. And then she proves it by water bending something that I think Karima shot at her. And uh, and they're like, the thing about the Dao Fei is that they highly respect the avatar. And there's a moment here where they decide what to do, and uh, and they go to they go back they split up Kyoshi and. And Ranji and the flying, flying opera company uh, converse about what they should do. And they come back to Kyoshi, and they say, "It's been an honor to have traveled with the Avatar." Um, Leek says, "We regret that we have to part ways." Uh, they bowed in unison, and they didn't use the Dao face salute, but they used just a formal uh, bow. Uh, and Kyoshi's like, "Huh?" And then, and then uh, Karima says, "Well, we don't have to leave right now if you don't want us to," but they're kind of like. Listen, the you shouldn't travel with us. Like we're off the hook. They're like letting her out. Yes, yes, yeah. Like we're we're tainting the goodness of the Avatar. They're kind of like you can't you can't be with us. Um, And Kyoshi, you know, Kyoshi disregards what they says and says like, no. Um, Her exact words were, "I took oaths of this group. I won't abandon my sworn brothers and sisters." Her choice of words was not lost on them or Rangji. Uh, Ranji, um, I think it was just a good moment of Kyoshi like sticking to her word, and and like now these people feel like a family, right? Before to me, like they felt like people who were just traveling together, but now they feel like we all know everything about each other, and we're all going to be there for each other no matter what. Like we are a tight knit family now. Um, so I thought that moment was cool. Uh, so yeah, so on to the rescue mission. Um, they they pretty much split up. Uh, Kyoshi and Laoji go and and uh, they've been plot- It's probably oh. important to say they've been plotting this for like a month. Uh, yes, and in the yes. background of that month, um, that's when Jianju is doing his politicking. But it's important to know yeah, they've been plotting their side 
because uh, Moke is also, it's kind of a two-sided attack, um, mm. and it's strategic to that. He wants this group, the Flying Opera Company, to do more like like a stealth uh, reconnaissance and, and yeah. recovery mission, while there's also an attack going on from the front simultaneously, so that this stronghold, or what have you, won't be able to react or kill the hostage or anything like that. Um, and so that's kind of the lead up of this month. Like you've got a month to figure all this out. And that's sort of a plot device to let Jianju do a lot of political stuff in the background. Yeah. And also um, it gives time for the flying opera company to train Kyoshi and all the yeah. different bending art, um, which we didn't mention that, you know, there's no airbender there. So she hasn't been taught airbending and Ranji feels like, no, the avatar has to learn these in this cycle. Something bad will happen. And, and together, they kind of do a little bit of training. Like, Ranji at least wants her to be able to just blow some wind so it doesn't throw things off balance. So we know she can um, firebend, and this is where I was alluding to earlier, is that we know she can firebend, um, and that that is the closest to earthbending. And she should just be able to go to waterbend right now, but then Ranji mentions, like, no, you do have to... You really need to hit it in this order. Um, and that explained, like I said, some of my frustrations earlier of like, no, you got to let you try something else and just figure out if he's even the avatar. It's like, no, they're just hyper traditional and they were trying to do it in this order. Um, and earth and firebending or earthbending is the closest to firebending. So that's the next first or the first step for them to figure out. Still frustrating <clears throat> that like if Yoon couldn't firebend after all that time, <laughs> I don't know what all that time like, is, but if we're talking a couple of years, like, all right, if you're the Avatar, yeah, you years. get a couple of years. Like, come on, it's time to move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but before they go on that, like, there's just a small moment that I love, just of Kiyoshi dressing up, because right before they're like, oh, we gotta get our makeup, we gotta get our makeup on, um, <laughs> and then Kiyoshi's like, they're like, we don't have any makeup, and Kiyoshi's like, oh, I have some makeup, it's in my chest thing and uh and they put it on her for some reason this moment it felt like really uh felt really impactful to me this is the like this is kyoshi didn't know we yes did. yeah this is like when bruce wayne halfway through batman begins finally puts on the whole suit and he becomes batman like kyoshi has like slowly been gathering these uh material and looks of kyoshi but it hasn't been the full effect right she has like the green armor and but she doesn't have the face paint yet she does have freckles which we didn't know she had freckles um and she doesn't have the headdress on but here i feel like she fully becomes avatar kiyoshi like and it reads that way she's figured um, out that the fans help her help her bend so that's kind of the order yeah we for, fans yeah. is that they're like a yeah. like an extension that's, of her arms in a yes. way that helps her be more precise and in my head it's because she's yeah. got these giant uh, these giant hands. <laughs> these giant and hands and needs to be. And the yeah. fans are like a more delicate uh, finger extension. Like I, I don't know. It really it made sense to me in a very nice way. And it might be no, emphasizing, so. but again, that's the part where it's this book does such a great job of giving you some of this origin information without without slapping it in your face or making too big of a deal of it. But yeah, it's great to see uh, this first time where she puts the face paint on, what the different colors symbolize, like. This yeah, is white Kyoshi. symbolizes. This is the Kyoshi yeah, white symbolizes treachery. Yeah, white symbolizes treachery and a sinister nature. Um, and the red symbolizes honor, loyalty, heroism. Um, 
yeah so yeah it's it's, it's kyoshi begins right here you you look beautiful or terrifying and yes. beautiful or verse, vice versa and she's like yeah perfect. it's like oh yeah yeah because uh ranji says <laughs> this sounds really like i wouldn't say erotic but sensual i guess um <laughs> ranji uh ranji says i'm not thrilled you're wearing dalfe colors Ranji said, biting her lip as she smiled, <laughs> but you look beautiful. I don't know if that was like a, a, a biting her lip. Like, like a saucy you know. lip biting, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and then Leek says, you look terrifying. A lifetime ago, Kyoshi had never thought she would be either of those things. So that's just like what a character arc scary. summed up in one. And she says, then it's perfect. <laughs> and it is. And then, that's, that's Kyoshi yeah. that we know from... The rest of the Avatar universe. That's her origin right here. About to break yeah. into some dude's house. <laughs> yeah, and also, also it's important to note that Kyoshi is trying to not get anyone killed. And that's where their plan divulges from kind of Mook's plan. Um, so long story short, uh, she stops Laoji from killing. Um, she finds out that uh, that T, the governor, is like 15 years old. And and she events uh, Laoji from killing him. I think it's important to know that she wasn't going to let him kill him anyway. Yeah, and she, that was a really he, cool moment where she's like, this decision was made long before I knew <laughs> this about you or something like that. And then she yeah. blows Laoji or Laogi away. Yeah, with yeah, with, with uh, wind. And uh, and then also we haven't mentioned this, but they all have this like technique called dust stepping where they can just like create small dust and step on it from the earth. And it kind of just looks like they're just walking on air. And uh, they've been trying to teach her this, but she's mastered it like a long time ago. And <laughs> he's kind of like, "Oh, you're just full of surprises." Like, so you mean you, you know, you hurt yourself that many times on purpose? And she's like, "It wasn't on purpose a lot of those times." <laughs> and uh, and also, she knows airbending. She didn't tell anybody else that she knew airbending. And Which uh, is when they divulge La into that, uh, like a cutaway almost of yeah. her and Ranji saying, like, yes. we got to yes. try yep. this before you waterbend. So yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the few moments or types of things where it's like, I'm okay. Normally, I don't like that out of chronology thing as a plot device, but here it's kind of it's kind of minute and very interesting. So mm -hmm. I'll, I'll forgive it this time. Well, you know what? Actually, gosh, I wish I had, it's, um, it's uh, I don't know where that passage went. Kyoshi, Ju, um, the raid. Sticky notes in my book, so I could be help here. But right now, I'm just gonna leave it yeah. on this well, table and look pretty. I actually do have a bunch of sticky notes. Nice. See, I prepared. You see, you act like um, you've reviewed a book before. Good for you. I know, next right? Time, next time I'll be better. <laughs> Although I, um, I don't remember the last time I listened to a two-hour book review. Uh, we are well hmm. on our way. Are we? No, are right we over two hours? Uh, we're okay. at one one thirty-eight. Uh, one oh, okay, we might be able to squeeze this in two hours. But uh, um, hey, if there was ever a two-hour book review I'd listen to, it'd be this one. Yeah, and maybe, and maybe so maybe the sixth Harry Potter book. I'd listen to two hours on the sixth Harry Potter book. There is a passage. Where is that about? Um, okay, so here it is. Um, so uh, Ranji is trying to teach, or she's trying to get. Kyoshi to do an air technique just once. And like they do this movement around that has been shown all throughout Avatar of like Aang doing the circle walk or the Bagua. Um, uh, Korra does it with, um, oh, I can't, Opal. 
to teach her airbending. And, uh, and they just have like, after they do that, they have this short moment um, about, and they talk about Master Kelsang and uh, Ranji says, you know, I miss him too. Uh, Master Kelsang, he was so kind and funny. Sometimes when I find myself missing him, I feel guilty that I'm not thinking about my own father. I wish they were both here. I wish everyone we've lost could be here with us one last time. Um, and Kiyoshi squeezed her tight. And so they're, you know, they're just like holding each other after they just did some airbending. And this way's word is that there was a tickle against her brow. She and Ranji looked up to see a swirling dance of leaves spinning around in a circle. The two of them caught in its eye. Kelsang used to make her laugh in the garden like this by swirling the air letting her touch the currents and feel the wind run between her fingers. Kyoshi let the breeze play against her skin before giving it a gentle push with her hand. The wind spun faster at her request. She could feel Kyoseng smiling warmly at her, a final gift of love. And she says, he'll always be with us, always. So that's just a great callback to Kyoseng and how much he meant to, to each of them. About to get me tearing up over here. Yeah, no, it was a great moment. Um, anyway, uh, they have they have the raid. Kyoshi uh, just sends the governor T on his way, pretty much far away from there, and they do Basically, get out. I'm gonna kill you if you don't share some of your food. Yes, um, but it's <laughs> and I will hunt you point. down. At this point, I kind of thought that like I didn't know how it's gonna turn, but I was surprised. Like, no, they still go on this rescue mission and rescue this dude. It's not that I'd forgotten about it, but I just assumed that something else would happen or somebody else would take care of it. But no, she's kind of in charge of the rescue mission still. Like they go aid the rescue <laughs> of uh, of unknown, unnamed prisoner. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And there's also there's also a great moment earlier in the book. I don't know why I'm talking about it right now. Um, I'll get to it later. Anyway, um, so they rescue Zhu. Right, and Zhu's been locked up for eight years, and he's the real leader of the Dao Fei. Which they like, did not know at the time. Yes, they didn't know. Mook, Mook did not tell them anything about like, him. No, They're like, we a, gotta... This is a, a brother, but in like the Dao Fei brother sense, that's just, yeah. uh, that's been locked up unfairly, and it's time to time to free him because he's a brother. Yeah. Of those. And then yeah, they free this guy, and I love this thought. Like, it didn't even dawn on me as they're saying, like, it's starting to dawn that. Hey, we just released the leader of the Yellow Nets, <laughs> and everybody else—not everybody else—but like, you have to feel like that was the the most other people knew that was the intention the whole time was that we are sort of resurrecting the Yellow Nets, and that the mm -hmm. Flying Opera Company was like sort of the last to be in the know. <laughs> so they pull the mask off this guy, and then they're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then the first thing he's gonna do is like attack a neighboring. Uh, city i think it's called shang maybe i'm not sure he's like eight years in prison like Z they gotta pay Zidane for this or Zidane or Z Z i think so something like that and for some and for some reason the person i'm imagining uh, in this moment is the guy in in the um, <laughs> the guy in the uh who starts the riot in the boy rock episode who escapes with with them I don't, I don't know why I'm imagining this guy. That's fine. No, that's, that's, <laughs> but like, that's fine. But like not not nearly as comedic, but he's like very serious. Yeah. Um, get on board with that. Um, but uh, and Kyo, she's pretty much like, holy crap, we made a mistake. <laughs> They're like, all right, pretty much, I got to go stop him. We, we done messed and... up A.A. Ron. <laughs> we got to get this before it gets started. <laughs> yeah. Which props to Kyoshi. Probably the first 
So we get two real big Avatar moments. First, she lets T live uh, with tremendous amount of threat. And second, like, that's a snap decision. Or, well, it wasn't a snap decision. She had it planned. But this is a snap decision. Like, how easy would it be, like, no, we can eat food with this guy and then run away and our debt's paid and I'll figure it out later. Like, no, she's like, I'm going to start, I'm going to put a stop to this right away. And I feel like that almost goes underwritten and underappreciated in the in the book of like, that's brave and strategic. Like, what better time to get this guy than when mm-hmm. he's been trapped for eight years and hopefully a little emaciated mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, you don't want to catch mm-hmm. this guy at full power or the yellow necks at full power. So, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, yeah. I, just, I actually yes, thought that yeah. moment went underwritten in the book of how Avatar-esque that was when it would have been much, it would have been very acceptable just to like, no, we got to get out of here. We got to spread the word. Maybe tell that village and then start recruiting some forces to fight back. Uh, but no, she, I think, made the best possible strategic move. So two big Avatar decisions <clears throat> in a row, and she nailed them both. Yeah, and and everyone has her back. And even Ranji is like, this is the first thing you've done as the Avatar. Like she respects it, even though she's scared to death. To, to lose Kyoshi, she is proud of her, you know, very much um, in this moment. Uh, so then it's pretty much Kyoshi just challenges him, and he doesn't take it seriously at first. <laughs> oh. like, I just <laughs> and, invited you to eat food with me. Another Mulan yeah, race. like, I imagine him being, pretty much being like, you just, you know, you just had everything, right? And you've, you know, you've given it up. Right, you could have been not like a great hand person. But that guy was never going to bother specifically you for as long as yeah. he Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he said, debts are paid. Like, you don't owe me anything. Um, so that I think that says a lot about just her, uh, her convention, her conviction here. And uh, at, when he's challenging, when she's challenging him, he's like. Oh, these challenges are meant to settle grievances. What grievance do you have with me? She says, um, your resistance. Oh, snap. <laughs> Just picture the, the gif like, with all the guys screaming, oh, in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, gosh, like in this moment, because I feel like we've gotten to a fully realized Kyoshi, not necessarily fully realized Avatar, and like we've gotten to that Kyoshi who, who speaks with enough umph in her voice. Like, you know, when she says, I killed Jin the Conqueror, when she says those things, she says in such a, a BA way. And so I'm imagining all these lines at this point as that Kiyoshi, which gets you know delivered in my head very well. No longer um, so Kiyoshi, the, like we've, we've evolved yes, into yeah. Kiyoshi. Yeah, no longer freckle-faced Kiyoshi who could, couldn't could lift a pebble. Please <laughs> lift pebbles when you can do what she yeah. can. Yeah, so they challenge each other to the fight, um, and quickly... The fight starts and Kyoshi like gets herself ready and and it's it's red just like he just extends two fingers at her and and lightning <laughs> shoots out. So this is like one of the first instances of lightning bending. Like it's even it's not even They don't even it's, know it's what rumored. It is. Ranji does yeah, later, Kyo- but right now they don't they've never seen it before. <laughs> Yeah, it says uh, Zoo Zoo thrusts his arms forward, two fingers extended from each hand. So it was a so it was a double lightning blast, <laughs> not even a single. He was dual wielding uh, lightning pistols, man. Yeah, <laughs> and struck her fans with a bolt of lightning. Um, and so pretty much at this point, Kyoshi just getting just hurt, but beat. <laughs> 
almost well, I, paralyzed or something like she's uh yeah she's conscious but not moving very fast yeah and you know raji of course is just screaming out like stop please don't do this uh things like that and then but apparently for some reason as because of her armor i guess is insulated or something after that first initial shock he keeps like just shocking her and shocking her and shocking her but those those uh, later shocks aren't nearly as bad as the first one and she's just kind of playing like the armor was maybe dispersing it and then i also implied personally that maybe she's already kind of entering the avatar state and i'm sure that comes with some Mm. sort of supernatural um physical aid maybe (laughs) well not for not for ang yeah ang come on um so i mean i kind of implied that in my head i didn't I didn't love this part, but it's, it does make sense. Like, hey, you survived the first one. Uh, these additional ones, like, if it really is, like, as if it's her armor dispersing it into the ground because she's laying it on the I ground think, or I think, whatever. I don't know. I think part of it, I think part of it's dispersing because when she's on the floor, it says, um, so hearing, oh, I love this passage here. Um, so Rangy says, crying from far away, please stop. And, you know, the narration says, it was the hopelessness in her voice that set Kyoshi over the edge, the complete surrender of a girl who would have been invincible if not for her love. Kyoshi had put that weakness in Ranji, and Zu had torn it open. He was torturing the person Kyoshi cared about most in the world. And by every spirit of every star in the night sky, he would pay for that. <laughs> like, like, Kyoshi is pissed at him, not for, like, doing anything necessarily evil at Ranji, but for, like, you tell me, girlfriend, um, I will cut you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, she reached out and grabbed Zoo's ankle, the sudden course of lightning into his own body. So I do think she is like somehow through her armor or something able to extend that l- same lightning to him. I, th- I mean, even just by touching it, like he thinks she's yeah, cold. Yeah. She gets a full <laughs> ankle. Uh, and that's another part where I wish he, he could have elaborated for like a couple of seconds. And I'd have been really happy just, like, a little more of his facial expressions and crowd expressions. Like, oh, snap. Uh, just watching their their master get electrocuted by his own shit. Uh, uh-huh. I thought that would have been really cool. Uh, but, you know, he's got a lot more fight and stuff to describe here. So he does go through it fairly quickly. But, yeah. Uh, and, one of, and one of the things he says taunting her, which she answers back to, and all this happens within, like, a really quick span of moments. Mm-hmm. Like, Sure, it's like four pages, but really it's probably like just one minute or two at the most. Um, He says, what you don't understand is that men like me are beyond judgment. I do as I will, and the world must bear my discretions with submission and gratitude. So that's the last thing he says before getting shot. And then Kyoshi goes into the avatar state. (laughs) And the way it's described is like just BA avatar state. Um... The best description <laughs> of the Avatar state to date. I'm yeah, her her, her eyes felt like they were leaking, not with tears, but light. She thought briefly about swinging Zhu overhead and dashing him against the ground or twisting him like a wet rag between her bare hands. Um, no, he needed to be shown that a true force of nature looked like what looked like. His man had to see him beaten not by strength, but by retribution from the elements themselves. <laughs> So she then gripped him by the collar and she rose into the air, not with dust stepping, but a whirling vortex that sucked her right into the sky. Zoo screamed 
and dangled from her grip. The tornado she rode blew the Dalfe back from this distance. They were so tiny and pathetic and human. Imagine and, getting big too. Like I know it says she rose up, and so it could just be her in a regular state rising up like Aang does. Uh, but I also kind of imagined her uh, going like physically growing. Korra, kind of. yeah, purple giant or Korra yeah, blue giant, like that. Like becoming the giant, uh, be. the giant, the giant koi fish uh, from the uh, uh, season one finale. Yeah, and then Kyoshi uh, is. That references that anywhere, but. Uh, pretty much says Kyoshi extended her free hand, palms upward, and the stalks of rice uh, glue ablaze. And then she took that fire, and then and the fire went up her vortex. So it was like a fiery freaking cloud. Um, and then she says to him, You forget, Zhu. She said, In a legion of voices synchronizing in the eye of the storm, there is always someone who stands above you in judgment. Um, and it's interesting here, this passage about the avatars. Um, it says, it was possible that other more powerful people spoke through her in this moment. There was a chance she was simply a puppet beholden to their collective will, but an unassailing, feeble feeling of control told her that wasn't true. The voices could lend her insight, eloquence, but they couldn't take over. Many of them seemed to disapprove of what she was doing. <laughs> and Kyoshi thinks to herself, let them. <laughs> She was in command. She brought Sufei's closer. What will you do now, knowing that, knowing that your every step will have consequences? And she just dropped him. Oh, he tries to fire, breathe breath at her, and she just like directs it away with her mind. And uh, and she just drops him from that height, and he dies. <laughs> I really liked the part where you said uh, most of them would probably disapprove of what she was doing. And I was like, except yeah. for Yang Chen, he'd be like, eh. yeah. Yeah. People die. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sometimes, yeah. sometimes you gotta kill people. It, it happens. Um, and then, so there's this other like secondhand guy to Mook uh, named Wei. And uh, he's the one who sliced up Leek's hand. And, uh, and he just seems like astonished by this. Like, says, surprisingly, Wei still remained. He stared at Kyoshi, transfixed his jaw agape, reverent. Kyoshi didn't know what to make of the cruel, unusual man. He seemed to constantly need a powerful figure to tell him what to do. And then Kyoshi told him what to do. Just be gone. And he bowed, and he left. <laughs> Good lad. Good lad. Yeah. Uh, well, they had, a, they had a really interesting, which I don't even know what page it was, but uh, he tried to harm Leek again <laughs> a second time, and she just, like, snagged stomped him. him. Yeah, she, like, snagged him, like, right threw him over the table. That was at his desk that he had that he brought just for no other reason to the yes yes so it was yeah, really yeah. close before that yeah and she like crushed his fingers with the back of her fan um but uh yeah so she kills Zhu in like the most ba avatar moment and i don't know of ever well, you know what i don't know uh, uh in, in the in the descriptions that we have available of any avatar moment it's it's gotta be really it's pretty there yeah, it is. Yeah, especially in in fighting, because like Ang Ang's fight with Ang's fight with Ozai was legendary, but like he didn't kill him at the end. Like, it wasn't as epic. The, the ending wasn't as epic because Ang's just like, I know what's you know. He just took his bending away. Kind of less um, off, Whereas here we get a really strong, <laughs> in your face fight that's not drug out at all. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she's hurt because she took. So that fight ends. They all disperse. <laughs> all the Dalfei go off, and uh, and they go back. Uh, they go back, and uh, she heals up a little bit. So to go back to what Jianji was doing, Jianji was doing a whole lot of politicking around here, trying to make sure that people didn't know that Kyoshi was actually the avatar. Um, you know, he's in with the Beifongs, and there's this other guy who's like his his rival, sort of, who Hugh, just like Huey. Yeah, Hugh. Huey. Huey. Yeah, Hugh. I, I'm, not, I'm so sorry, people. People who I might be offending with my lack of yeah. knowledge. Huey? It's like H U I. Yeah. It's not Huey. I don't think it's Huey. It's not like Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I'm trying to. I'm trying to put some some extra pronunciation player in there, but I can't do it. My it's, my uncultured it's hard, tongue dude. is incapable. We, I don't know. Um, if it and eventually it gets down to a point where um, Jianju does a huge mass killing, <laughs> he poisons like a bunch of people. Um, but he also poisons himself so that he is not incriminated. The the politicking, what you need to take away from the politicking is it's essentially he knows now that Kiyoshi's the avatar and that Yoon is dead and is not the avatar. And he tells this one other guy. And it becomes a matter of like sort of gathering forces to your each respective side uh, so that he knows he has the help he needs. <laughs> but then this guy yeah. brings all of his people to John Chu's <laughs> doorstep and sort of like impeaching him as the Avatar's trainer. Yes. Uh, it just yes. happens to work really nicely into this very well-laid backup plan he must have had resting in the back of his mind, which was... Yes, yeah, he knew Yeah, he knew all this would happen, and he didn't want to poison his own people, because it's kind of like the Earth Kingdom's kind of split in half, like secretly behind people's back of who they have allegiances to. Um, and he knew he could like kill all these people. <laughs> Testament to the size is... and the difficulty to wrangle this large kingdom. Yeah. And uh, he gets a letter. He, Oh, I love the way this letter is written. He still doesn't know where Kor, not Kor. <laughs> he doesn't still know where Kiyoshi's at. Um, but he gets a letter about how uh, Zhu broke out. And, you know, he's really mad at that because he thought he stopped the yellow necks. Um, but then he reads that Zhu was killed. <laughs> It says their leader, Zhu Ping, and had been murdered by a spirit with glowing eyes, drenched in blood and white ashes, who had carried Zhu into the sky before sucking the life-giving flame out of his body and consuming it for herself. They misinterpreted his firebending. Yeah, yeah. uh, Like, just the way way that people describe the way Kiyoshi was, as it sounds just freaking astonishing to me. Um, and so he figures out where Kyoshi's at. So they're back in town and, uh, they have really nice quiet moments <laughs> and, uh, and leak and all of them. They're really cool with each other now. Um, like really, really good. Like they consider each other family at this point. Like he even calls her sister, uh, which I think is just such great character development. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, there's a joke where he's like, you think after all of this, um, he's pretty much like, hey, I'll go get Ranji because um, you're up now. She was in like a, she was passed out for like three days. Like, I'll get Ranji for you. And he was like, do you think, you know, after all this, Ranji might date me? And then, <laughs> and then he, uh, he holds it in as long as he can because 
even though they they don't care about people knowing, they don't be like, oh hey, we're dating everybody, like da da. And Leek is like young enough that they might think that he doesn't realize what's happening. And then he's like, ha, 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 the look on your face is priceless. That's probably what your avatar state, that's what your avatar portrait needs to look like, just bug-eyed and everything. <laughs> and then... <laughs> it was great. His comedic like, timing was really on point. Good job. Yeah. Like, he feels like a legit little brother to her, you know? It's, it's, it's like a little brother making fun of his sister and stuff, which I absolutely yes. love that moment, which makes... Um, the Nets moment <laughs> with Leek in town, even worse. Um, so they're all walking, Leek and Ranji and Kyoshi, and immediately like Ranji slip, she 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 gets she goes down, and then Leek also goes down, and like Kyoshi goes down also, but Kyoshi can see uh, Ranji like passes out. She sees that whatever is in Leek is not working with it's he's like has allergic reaction to it and he is like throwing up he's doing convulsions and she sees him die and i was like oh crap not leak i thought the book was not basically leak. over at this point so when he died i was very i mean i know i had more pages left but i was like this is all it got yeah. to be like some some down some wind down no yeah at this point people die yeah at this point i thought it was um I, yeah, I thought that was book. I thought Jianju was going to be book two, and that was going to be all about uh, Kyoshi yeah, finally so getting him there. Guard. Exactly. Yeah. The greatest mysteries uh, in this book were all, uh, or not the greatest, the greatest twists in this book were all going to happen after the main conflict. But to be yeah. fair, the main conflict wasn't with the real villain, so I, I guess I get it. Crazy mm -hmm. defies book logic. <laughs> um, and then uh. Description of Zudath. Uh, why those? Okay. Um, and then it turns out, you know, Jianju left a note for for Kyoshi saying, you know, come here. And he kidnaps Ranji and he cuts her top knot. Um, and then so Kyoshi goes there and pretty much they get into this like fight of all fights that there's no movement. <laughs> um, so it's finally like Jianju versus Kyoshi and they're just trying to, they're in this like. A tea shop. Like T-shirt. They're in T-shirt. Yeah. Uh, and poorly constructed. Yeah. And he is threatening to pretty much kill everybody in here. And she is he's trying to take down the walls and she's trying to hold them up. And they're both doing this with earth bending. And neither one of them can like get the upper edge on the other so much so that it feels like their strength is just like combining with each other. And this is when something weird happened to the it it's it's understandable like it's not like completely out of nowhere but it i mean it came out of nowhere but it's it's not like a day that's machia where it's like there's no precedence for this um and that's when yoon shows up as like a spirit it's but he doesn't kind of like say they don't say he's a spirit but they do like he's like a shell like a spirit shell without the actual yoon or something like that like it's kind of implied that it's a spirit uh yeah and eventually eventually Yoon takes a rock <laughs> a pebble he puts it to Jianju's chest he has his hand he puts his other hand on Jianju's back and then it's like an Etzman Origins second time we've uh, referenced Etzman here uh, Etzman Origins does not need referenced 
Uh, X-Men First Class is amazing. Oh, yeah, but First anyway. Class is excellent. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, it's like that moment in First Class where Magneto takes the coin and oh, through, yeah. uh, through his head, and, uh, and Yoon just, uh, he, the rock travels through John Drew's body, and he shows the rock, and it's just like has blood all over it. Magic, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like he just takes a like, when he's done. Oh, I would have loved it. Yunus like, ta-da, and he goes away. Sorry, my comedy like, side ah. just saw a great opportunity there, and I was very disappointed. <laughs> no, uh, I, it's funny, you said, when you said X-Men, I first jumped to uh, when he when the security guard has the iron in his blood from the pill and then Magneto uh, like sucks yeah. it all out of him through his pores and kills him that way. But yeah, same concept. Too much iron in your blood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too much iron. Um, yeah, so that uh, that scene from top to, first of all, up to the point where Jianju uh, died, I still assume the next book was going to be all about Jianju. Now I guess it's not going oh, okay. because he's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, even up to this point, it's like I'm closing in on the back half of this book. And it's, where, what, how are we going to end? What's going to happen? I'm like pulling my hair out. Uh, but yeah, it was crazy that Yoon walks in. They kind of imply that he's spirit or at least otherworldly. Kills Jianju mm-hmm. and then leaves. And then, despite all of this insanity going around going on around here kiyoshi does manage to evacuate all the people in the building and then it essentially collapses behind her and that's kind of cool too but it's important to note that in this fight two things that i will address later in my final thoughts or that are important in my final thoughts first of all there's kind of a cool relationship between jianju and hey rai hey am i saying that right hey rai hey, uh um hey ron yeah hey, ron. Hey, ron. Um, and they have a nice relationship of like he poisoned her as well and it sounds like he kind of expected her to die, uh, but she didn't, and he's glad. Like, he does legitimately, I don't know if he loves, if he's capable of love or not. Uh, but he's looking at her, like, laying down in the hospital, and she's lost so much. She's lost her daughter. She almost died. And he just keeps this kind of greater purpose thing in mind. Like, she will forgive me later, uh, I hope. <laughs> and so it's nice to see, again, I, I keep going back to he, he has some very real characteristics for for a villain that i really appreciate number two he tells his gravedigger story um and that impacts my mm-hmm. my opinion of him uh, essentially yeah. gravedigger story is those people that he killed in one swoop uh about most of them were digging their own graves thinking if they dug fast enough, yes they could go home alive and he killed them and i do take some issue with this but i'll wait till our summary to uh, to explain my my concern here but uh, they reveal a lot in this little tea shop before Jonju dies and Yudin disappears. And then Kiyoshi's left in a pile of rubble and a bunch of bloody friends. Yep. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so that's pretty much the end of Jonju. He is killed. And uh, Yoon pretty much, it's, it's really confusing because he does cave in the place. At least that's how I read it. I read it, uh, and again, I don't claim to be an expert. My interpretation as I was reading it is that like he left, and then I I felt like the other people got out, and Kiyoshi got out. Yeah, yes, uh, yeah. Like he attempted to cave it in, but maybe not to kill them all, but I don't know, like sort of in passing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everybody still got out, and then the place caved. 
Um, a lot was yeah, he said, uh, I was not in an emotional state yeah. uh, for interpreting fine print. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so this Yoon didn't... The stone now covered in blood, Yoon didn't wait for Janzu to finish dying. <laughs> he winked at Kyoshi and turned to leave. Janzu uh, teetered in his seat, gagging on blood, a dark red patch spreading from the tunnel of his chest. The waiter screamed. Um... Oh, maybe he didn't. I don't know. So it's kind of confusing. This whole book, not the whole book, half of this book has been purely about revenge. And then some spirit a-hole comes in and steals your thunder. But he's your friend, but he's not your friend. I And he, and he deserves it more. I'm, probably. I know, but I'm in emotional turmoil right now because I have so many things to think about. Um, yeah. But she handled it really well, like... Uh, you know, she she got her man, so to speak, or he was got. Uh, but she yeah, and she didn't. And I think it's important to note. Very nice. And when she when she gives this like this promise of I'm going to kill you, it's not really I'm going to kill you. It's that I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch as everything you love gets taken from you. <laughs> and so that happened, right? Like at that point in time, the only way for that to happen was for her to get stronger. But she, I don't think she cared one way or another. <laughs> Which is so Kyoshi. <laughs> yeah, she just. I don't. I don't. Like, I don't know if it's in general very earthbender. Like, let's just get her done. Yeah. Uh, but she handles it extremely well in the sense that uh, I mean, it makes it sound like she sort of brushes it off, and now she's off to be the Avatar. Like, yeah, mission accomplished. Yeah. Not how I expected, but now we've got a whole new yeah. book of Avatar things uh, that we got to take care of. Yeah, uh, she uh, yeah she goes um, because she doesn't really have that many places to go in the Earth Kingdom. She still doesn't know like who to trust. She goes to Southern Air Temple and um, and she does kind of throw her Avatar weight around because Kelsang yeah, has like does. markings. <laughs> Kelsang has like markings for him, but they're like lower than than everybody else. And uh, and Kelsang's like, um, I expect to have his names higher. And then he's like, oh, they're not going to like that. She's like, whatever. Yeah. Deal with it. And then, yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't really like flexing her power that way because that's something that kind of Janju would do. That um, was sort of that was not, a weird part for me. I wasn't super fond of the like whole build the statue bit. Like That was kind of out of Kyoshi. That was definitely more Avatar Kyoshi than, than young Kyoshi. But maybe that's yeah. all it's supposed to symbolize is sort of a uh, learning to embrace uh, your avatar self or something like that. Maybe that's what that yeah. And then she um, the other members to... of. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say we didn't get to, but the other members of the flying company saved Ranji um, from being kidnapped. Awesome. Um, yeah, and then Ranji afterwards goes to the northern um, water tribe to her mo her mother with, to get healed. With her mother, is that? Yes. Right. Yes, because her mother her mother still isn't fully fully recovered from yeah. the poison. And then they say something in there that hits me really hard, and it's maybe one of two, one of the two things that hit me towards the end of this book most impactfully is that like when they when they saw each other next, they knew they'd be different people or or something like that. Yeah, no, that that cut me really deep for some reason. I don't want to say it in a bad way, uh, but just I uh, again, I'm very emotionally simple. I mentioned earlier, I don't do a lot of like romance and things. Well, just. I don't want to have the emotional palette for it. So it's like we had this this happy, beautiful couple and everything. I'm not saying everything was going to be perfect, but like they could have been together and, and, and been a team, been team avatar and it would have worked great. 
it like and it just it feels like it got plucked away from me with like one sentence like no when she comes back it's not going to be the same and that kind of hurt to read as i mean good mm-hmm. i don't know i'm sure there's a purpose for it but it kills me that i have to wait uh for another book to see how all that plays out and it makes me very sad or nervous that it, they won't always be together that hurts me it makes me uh yeah very nervous because yeah like you said there was there was that kind of sentiment of like there's no guarantee that they will end up together but i want there to be which a guarantee. yeah it's such, it's such a i great, know uh and i just i don't have the depth to deal with uh if the next book goes all like fifth harry potter on me oh it'll hurt really bad and gets all mopey and grumpy no, just let them be together and be Team Avatar and go do cool stuff and find out about Spirit You. But whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why? Why can't they be like uh, Korra and Asami and go off into the Spirit World and just uh, have a nice little like, oh, we we finally got done with all this crap. We can finally go on vacation. We can just take a break together and be happy. Um, yeah. But again, it is coming from a guy. Uh, or Angie Katara. You, I'm, I feel like I'm being. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm being. <laughs> heterosexualist or whatever yeah <laughs> but i just i have a very very simple emotional palette and so it was very hard for me yeah. as well that like i didn't yeah. get some kind of happy ending there but yeah. regardless uh i don't i hope we're not am i forgetting anything else that happens before the end other than just the realization that she was going to be on her own as the avatar from this point forward <clears throat> um i don't i don't think so um like what we said before, at at the Air Temples, she does come across a monk named Jinpa, who I'm pretty sure is a member of the White Lotus, because <laughs> because he says to her like, "Oh, we're sorry for all the confusion." It's it's heavily implied, because uh, he says, "We're sorry for all the confusion. If we had known earlier that you were that you were the Avatar, we would have like intervened." And uh, she says like something like, "Oh, well, it's not the." the air nomads fault and he was like oh i wasn't talking about the air nomads do you play pie show by the way <laughs> uh yeah that's great uh yeah he says i'm referring to a different we <laughs> oh, i love that um but no i don't, I don't i think that's yeah, it it's a nice sort of not origin reference but a nice light-handed as yes heavy yeah reference. yeah it is it is like quintessential like Marvel in credit kind of deal. Well, it reminds me. It reminds me of a, at the end of. It reminds me of the end of Iron Man one, where uh, Coulson is like he's he's been saying like we're the strategic, um, homeland interdimensional whatever Shield stands for, and at the end he's like, Tony Stark's like oh what can I call you you know strategic whatever 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 he's like you know what you can just call it Shield. I was like oh Shield that's cool. It just reminds me of that moment. It's a very uh, person, and we've made a lot of Marvel uh, references, so it's kind of a problem. Oh, crap. We've talked I feel like I need to make a DC before. reference somewhere in here. Uh, we squeezed Batman's Batman. cool. Yeah, we squeezed in a Batman. Oh, do okay. Don't have to kill you, don't have to save you. And then the cow, we referenced the cow the first time. Yeah, so we got some okay. uh, right. mm-hmm. diverse. I'm a Warner Brothers <laughs> slash DC guy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let that Marvel-only stuff go. <laughs> Yeah, well, of course I'm a decent guy. With the I got just a hinge of Marvel stuff on my shelf here, I, uh, I but the rest the, of it is. Basically, uh, the other day I had the realization like Harry Potter being WB and DC movies, I believe, are mostly Warner Brothers, <laughs> if not all. 
Like I just had a they're they're all Warner Brothers. All of my favorite cartoons, like forget Nickelodeon and Disney, like all my favorite cartoons are Warner Brothers. It's not DC versus Marvel for me. It's like it's Warner Brothers versus Disney. <laughs> well, that's yeah. And I am Warner Brothers. Uh, so for the for the last slide, as we wrap up here, that we could do two things. We decided we couldn't really rate this because uh, <laughs> it's totally different than what we usually do, and we don't want to discredit it. Uh, but we yeah. do both want to yeah. give thoughts. I thought I would try to give my thoughts first because I'll, I'll try to keep them very succinct, but I imagine you'll have Go more ahead. profound thoughts. So I'll give mine first. And then I thought we would end up officially by giving like a light prediction for what's going to happen Ooh, in the nice. next book. Uh, just because I it's so open-ended that I don't really know where to start. And so I thought it'd be a fun mm-hmm. way to end. Um, but if you don't mind, yeah, I'll, I'll wrap up with, I'm going to call it my, like what type of recommendation we would give uh <laughs> I would say this is probably one of the my one of my favorite books of all time. I'm not a book critic. I can't say it's one of the best books I've ever read or anything like that. Uh, all I know is that I literally had a hard time putting it down, and I put it right up there with like the third Artemis Fowl and the sixth Harry Potter as books that uh, uh, I, I didn't nice. read this as a young adult, but like my favorite uh, absolute young adult book that I'd go back to and read over and over again. And I hope we get an animated version of this. The the only like two uh two or three like minor tidbits that i won't even say i didn't like but they bugged me was that a i felt like if if uh jessa gradually lost her airbending over time because she was quote-unquote kind of impure mm-hmm. i feel like something should have been noted to the fact of well kelsang killed a whole bunch of people and he didn't true, lose his true. airbending he he lost no power whatsoever so it's either either there's something uh something fishy there or that should kind of be implied from the airbenders that his actions were, I don't want to say pure, but not like not evil or intentionally evil for the sake of being evil. Otherwise, he would have like lost his airbending or it would have decreased in power or something like that. They they made the reference to Jessa losing her power, and I thought that was going to lead to something greater with, with Kelsang or, or something, but it never came back up. So hopefully it comes up another time. And then number two is I really love John Ju as a villain. I think he's one of the most interesting villains um, in, in anything mm-hmm. that I've ever enjoyed because he does feel not real in the sense of like, I think a real human would do these things, but they do a nice job of painting him as such a political greater good, uh, like, like something that you can actually sort of feasibly imagine. And it holds really well. I think, I think it holds up really well up to the point where it says he's laughing at the gravedigger scenario uh, when he's explaining yeah. that story and they say he's like laughing in like a crazy maniacal way. Um, I wish he would have, I wish they would have built like a, like a more real formative thing around that. Like I didn't like that. Now it's suddenly crazy. John Chu like, no, let him die. Really good. Mm-hmm. Questionably still like greater good uh, caliber politician villain and let him die that way. So I didn't, I didn't like that. There was like this last few moments of, of crazy right before the end. Like he could have died right there and been uh, even better in my opinion, without ever knowing the full story behind that or telling it a different way. That's a very minor grip of the whole book. Those are like the only things I can say. I'm, I'm on a cliffhanger. I would read the whole next book just to find out what happened to Kyoshi and Ranji, even not knowing what happened. So 10 out of 10, would recommend to any any Avatar fan uh, and most not Avatar fans. As I mentioned, I've already got three individuals 
waiting their turn to listen to or to read this book. And I'm going to be more than happy to borrow it to them. So 10 out of 10 would recommend uh, to most, if not all, people that are interested in fiction above the age of like 12 or 13. It's probably a little heavy for 13. Let's say 15. <laughs> Tremendous. So, it's funny, when I, when I got the book, my daughter was just like just clamoring all over me. She knows Kyoshi, you know? Gosh, my daughter's so good. She's probably you know? a fan, She's... yeah. <laughs> but she was like, Daddy, would you read this to me? Uh, one day I was like, no, I'm not going <clears> to... <throat> well, for different reasons. I was like, I'm not going to read you. I don't... Because I have to imagine the character in, in my head. I can't use my voice <laughs> necessarily. Um, and also, I'm like, I'm sure this book isn't, like, for you. <laughs> uh, but all right, so my, my final impressions is that I absolutely love this book. I don't read that many books. Just yeah. like you, you've probably read more books than I do. Like, I've only really read three books in the past 10 years, three series of books. I, I, I read. The... Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I read The Hunger Games. I read um, the, the Vi Divergent series. And I read Finding Fish. Oh, and I read another Finding Fisher or Finding Fish, the story about Antoine Fisher. Um, which that's just a really good book, um, much different from these. But I think we have pretty similar like reading uh, reading frequency. Um, yeah. There, there's a there's a handful of book series that I will read over and over and over again. That in my mind doesn't like I don't mind reading, but I don't read anything different or new ever. Like right now, my wife and I are rereading like one of my childhood favorite series. It's like it's something I've read like a hundred times. So no. Uh, not a real big reader. And again, I hope that's more of a testament than a detriment to our positive reviews. Yeah. Um, and this book has honestly, it's been by my side. Like I was reading it at work. I get like some breaks and lunch break and I was just reading it. I was like, all right, I got to hurry up and eat lunch so I can read this book. Um, it was that good to me. Also, I think this book is really good for the Avatar universe itself and building up the fandom and branching it out. Um, it's interesting because, like, movie of this. Really oh, without yeah, without doubt, or a live action uh, version. Not, I'm I not think sold on the live action uh, stuff. We'll see how the Netflix well, thing goes. To me, it will have almost had to be live action because Netflix is gonna do their thing, and also like they can still tell like little two-hour movies, right? They can have Avatar one. Yeah, I think this would be. I, I think this could easily fit in two hours. But I will take animation without a doubt. I don't care. Yeah, animation yeah, is beautiful. Either either like, one. All this Disney live action stuff's just getting me depressed. I want some <laughs> cartoons, dang it. <laughs> um, but I think it, it reminds me of like the Star Wars universe, right? The Star Wars universe started off with the movies, and they branched yeah. out into like novels and everything. And I think this is a really great start to branching out even further. Um, essentially, because I wanted this to be a graphic novel when I first heard about it, I was a little bit disappointed, but. I honestly probably wouldn't have it any other way now since I've read it. Um, I enjoyed it that much more. I enjoy reading this far more than I've read any of the Avatar comic books, even The Search, and I love The Search. Um, but this is a just a really good, really great book. Like It's one of my favorite books that I've, I've read. Granted, I haven't read any books, but it's still very enjoyable. Um, and as for like Avatar Kyoshi herself, um, this just... This her story feels on par with Avatar: The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. Like we now have three amazing Avatar stories, 
um, before it was like, even though we knew about Roku and Avatar 1 had two episodes dedicated to him, it still felt like there were two Avatar stories. And now it feels like there is a, a third that is on equal footing with the other two with just a novel. It does. It feels like they stuffed know. an entire series into this book. Like so many different plot points and things happen. I, yeah. It's, it's like its own little universe and it does it really well. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then uh, yeah, and then Avatar Kyoshi went from like my fourth favorite avatar to probably my second favorite avatar. First favorite is Korra, and then Kyoshi, and then Aang. And then Yang, maybe Wan, Wan, then Yang Chen, then Roku, then Korok. You know what? Actually, I'm going to change it now. It's going to be Korra, Kiyoshi, Aang, Wan, uh, Yang Chen, Sali, and then <laughs> and then Roku, then Korok. I can't believe you're going to put Yang Chen below Wan, man. You got to hold. So when we originally did our review, well, we held. Well, that was that of... was. We held Kyoshi's well, actions against her for like creating the daily kind of inadvertently and stuff. Yeah. But like, I still maintain it's all Juan's fault in the first place. That guy's a jerk. No. Well, these are my list of favorite. This is my list of my favorite right. avatars. Not necessarily the best. I'll, yeah. g- I'll give you that. Yeah, in that case, yeah, yeah. I'd probably share a fairly similar order. But it, it's mostly in, mm-hmm. in order of like amount of information we have, <laughs> which again yeah. is going to favor three sure. yeah. avatars. <laughs> so, what's the other guy's name? Sali? Sali? I think it's Sali. I don't quickly, know why I'm pronouncing or He's quickly rising Sali. up my ranks now that he has a name. <laughs> he's quickly rising. He, he's already ahead of, of Roku and, and Kirk. You know, Roku's cool. Roku's cool. He just... I'm not as hard Roku's on Roku cool. as he, you do. He, I think he tries really yeah. hard just too late. So, you know, got to punish yeah. for that. But anyways. Quirk is the worst, though. But Yeah, right, yeah those, those are my... Uh... Is Kirk is the worst avatar that we yeah. know of. I'm sure there's other bad ones in there that we don't know about. Yeah. Someday. Uh, but yeah, those are my uh, final impressions of a book. What? When? When does your daughter get to read this? Like, is it when she's like ten or thirteen, or you get to read it to her at some point? Oh no, I don't want to read novels to anybody. Um, thirteen, probably. <laughs> thirteen. I tell my daughter she wants to read the Killing Joke. <laughs> like. I know she's seen some Batman <laughs> stuff before, but like, yeah, that's that's very very heavy. At least well, there is. There's so, no. There's no sexual assault in uh, the rise of Kyoto. Um. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So yeah. you know, maybe it's not quite as dark as the killing well, joke. Because she she just wanted me to read her like, oh, how did? And one time she's like, Daddy, how did the Joker become a Joker? And I was like, oh, well, he. A there's a comic book for it there. actually. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, here I can read it. Wait, nah. She's like, Daddy, read it to me. I was like, okay, don't look. I'm gonna make sure I get to the right pages. Because you can't read this book literally until you're like, until you're like 15 or 16 or probably 14. Honestly, what we're talking. But I I told her like the Joker is a bad person. Like we don't like he does terrible things in this book that I can't show you. Anyway, we're not talking about that. But uh, (laughs) yeah, she'll probably be like maybe 13 when she first reads this. I wouldn't mind at all. I wouldn't mind if an 11 year old read this book although she i don't think she'd be the prospect of you uh not necessarily reading it to your daughter but just like sharing a story of yeah of uh, a very interesting female protagonist growing uh growing up very quickly and if i say very quickly yeah. in a span of 440 pages uh so in i mostly i say i want to know thoughts for the next book i mostly want to know yours because i have so few <laughs> obviously there's going to be some investigation of spirits or the spirit world 
to try to get to the bottom of the Yoon mystery. I just don't mm-hmm. know how, and then I don't know who's going to accompany her, but I don't feel like it's going to be Ranji right away. I feel like her team avatar is going to be uh, yeah, different people to start the next book. And I have no that's idea who that sad. is. Um, there's a couple areas, and I may make a, a more detailed video about this once I can think about it more. Um, so at the at the very end there, very interesting, Korok is, honestly, he's the most worst avatar. But he says to her... <laughs> He's my least favorite kind of person in real life, manifested in fiction. Uh, like when when Kyoshi's at the air temple, she hears a voice calling out to her, and and Quirk did call out to her before when she uh, lifted the thing out of the iceberg, which we talked about two hours ago. Um, <laughs> two twenty-seven uh, and counting. He he says to her, Kyoshi, I need your help. Like, what the heck, dude? You're dead. Like, I what do you mean? Yeah, what do you need my help with? Like, I just imagine him just like, he, <laughs> this is the ultimate guy who just threw away his responsibilities and then just was like, I'll just make it the next person's job. Oh, I got crap dealing with my own afterlife, which is not really, it, it does paint an interesting picture about the avatars and, and what they do. Like you still have a conscious yeah. mind in the afterlife that is not directly pertinent to the physical world. Like, we know they can participate uh, in a conscious yeah. way. But not like with their own wants and desires, just in in <clears throat> avatar ways, in Rava ways. Yeah. So if if Ro- if Kirk needs help, it probably has to do with his wife, um, and maybe something along those lines. Like setting her free Kirk... to like a real afterlife yeah. instead of some kind of yes. internal curse. Yeah. Yeah. Curse with uh, Ko the Face Stealer. So maybe it has to do with that. Uh, but also, Shin the Conqueror. Maybe we'll get into that and why yeah. she. And why she uh, waited. It's interesting because Leek mentioned having a best friend named Chin, Chin. but it's but it's spelled different, there was right? It's spelled C-H. Too, wasn't there? There was a Chin, a, not a village. Yeah, and they went there. They yeah, went there, they went I thought. Chin something. Yeah. Um, and so I do think so the next book. So that's where Chin's going to come from. And, uh, yeah. I guess I just didn't picture Kiyoshi doing that until until later but i suppose it could be now maybe we'll get like a really full backstory of i mean everything from the daily and chin the conqueror uh yeah hopefully hopefully heyron doesn't come back as like a bad guy but i could sort of see her coming back as a villain uh a very likable mm-hmm. villain for whatever that's worth but she's still a a scary fire oh she, i think she's she's too close to ranji for that i know but, um, I, think but I just really appealing as a villain right like how yeah. interesting that your daughter is is uh, is a significant other to the Avatar, to your enemy. Yeah, and also how, I mean, how, well, at this, I was going to say, how will her mother respond to the fact that her daughter is in a same-sex relationship? Although the Fire Nation at that point was very open to it. It wasn't until um, Fire Lord um, Sozin took over that he banished not. and he outlawed it. <laughs> um, so that's not, that's probably won't be a big deal. And I can um, see that being, I don't want it to happen because it'll make me really sad, but I can see her yeah. being an interesting yeah. villain for that reason. Yeah. But she's she super even, pissed even... at Janju, who basically almost killed her, so maybe not. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it could, I think, like you said, spirits, which I think that probably ties into Korok's story because I think that's going to go down a very spirity route. Um, also, I don't think her stuff with Yoon is over with. So I think, uh, yeah. So I think, 
it could be twofold. It could be the spiritual aspect of it, and it could be the Chin the Conqueror aspect um, of it. But the, the thing is, we know how that fight ends. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> and it's, it's more hilarious than dramatic. Yeah, um, like, and they can't they can't replay that moment. <laughs> I would almost <laughs> like, maybe the Daily. Maybe that was just a fun reference in the, in the Daily. Like, if it's a two plane story, like there's some spirit world into physical world. Yeah, uh, maybe just Earth, guess. maybe general Earth Kingdom turmoil, and yeah. her trying to to step up the Earth Kingdom game. Also, there must be something must be going awry. But also, so with Jonju dead though, there's no there's less probably order in the Earth Kingdom, and Kyoshi kind of went off to the air to the Southern Air Temple, like just ignore everybody else in their crap. So maybe there'll be more turmoil in the Earth Kingdom without an avatar being directly there and also Jianju being gone. Like there's a power void there now. Um, well, and I think she would have to like, she would have to like reestablish order. And also I think she would realize that, holy crap, like Quark was a terrible avatar. Like what if the next avatar is also terrible? And apparently he is terrible. Like I have to, I have to be here as long as I can. So she'll probably get back in touch with Lao Ji and learn more of that technique that lets her live to be like 230 years old. Maybe Roku's not terrible. Maybe he was jaded because he stepped into a world uh, perfected by Kiyoshi. <laughs> no, um, yeah. We we do know that like the, I keep saying the daily, like we know it was spawned in a time of need as, as a way to attempt to help the Earth Kingdom, uh, the Great Earth Kingdom. <laughs> and that's been a, a running theme. Basically, anytime we're talking about pre-Fire Nation War, one of the biggest, or even during Fire Nation, where the running theme is the Earth Kingdom's too big to, to manage and govern. So I imagine mm. that's pretty prime suspect for plot yeah. points in the next in the next book. And they kind of mentioned it briefly. They're like, the Earth King is so vast, like they have two kings. But they didn't make it seem like the King of Amashu was bigger than the Earth King. Um, it's just weird. Like it's its own, it's not a bigger kingdom, but it's, it was like yeah, a it's, bigger it's not kingdom. even. And it's not even a separate nation. It's kind of like somebody, it's kind of like the whole entire Earth Kingdom took over Omashu and then as a, just a political puppet, not puppet, but a, I don't know, political something, they let them keep the title of king there. And that way, that, you know, I don't know, they could broker some treaty or something. But they still answer to the Earth King. Maybe their taxes were lower or something. I don't know. They're like, listen, we, we're not going to try to fight you because your 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 setup there is pretty strong. But we just not yeah. also fight us all, everywhere around you. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, it sounds fine. Yeah. Um, Politics. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking. The, the next book comes out in 2020. Um, well, I gotta wait really looking forward to it. And I don't know when it comes out in 2020. Just gonna spend <laughs> all my days worrying about Ranji. I know I'm very concerned about that relationship, but that was that was a that was a great relationship. But I, I have a feeling that it won't won't last. In a book that technically I... doesn't have a lot of loose ends, like they pretty much wrap it up, right? She kills Zhu yeah. and Jonju uh, <laughs> um, dies. Yeah, killed. We, yeah. we see Yoon, but like it's not really a loose end because we don't know where it's going yet. It's like there's not a lot of loose ends or cliffhangers. That is the cliffhanger. That's my reason. To, like, no, we gotta yeah. forget Yoon. I want to see how this relationship pans out uh, to see if it can top my my love of Katara and Aang for for best ship in the series. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. I think we were talking about this earlier, and I already put it 
Yeah, above, and I, we've we've gone over. We gotta see it work out before you can get crazy on the rankings, Chris. What if they don't even get back together? What if Ron G's the villain? Yeah. <gasps> what if we learn about the origins of the war the Fire Nation is thinking about waging on the rest of the world, and Ron G's got to go back home out of like uh, just pure political loyalty <laughs> to her family, and then she's uh, a villain. Then we got like a. Romeo and Juliet thing set up, except for it's like Juliet and Juliet, so it's way cooler. And then I don't know where I'm going with that. Just I need. Oh, to you know what? I need what to if the second book? Like, there's nothing saying that an Earth that a that a Fire Lord can't be overthrown. Like, what if Ranji becomes a Fire Lord and she and she is like the great 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 mother of, of Zuko now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple greats. Oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, she just oh, she seems to be with enough political loyalty and then go spend some time with her mom. And obviously the avatar business is a little messy right now. I could see her being the type to where, uh, against all of my better emotional judgment. Uh, personally, <laughs> I think I need to, to go home and be focused on fire nation things right now. No, yeah. please don't. Uh, ye, if you're listening, please don't do that to me. You'll break my heart. You'll make me cry into a oh. book, which I've never done before. It'll be a hard day for me. I think I cried into a book before. I think that a moment in um, Hunger Games when Katniss buries Rue. I can't. I can't watch the Hunger Games or read the Hunger Games because something about kids dying. I just. I can't stomach it. It, it turns my stomach yeah. real bad. Something about children murdering each other. I can't hack it. Had That's I just watched it. Understandable. The other day. In fact. <laughs> This like finished last night, but it would have been really cool if I if we could like hear Jennifer Lawrence just screaming at stuff over there on the TV in the next room. I volunteer as tribute. But everything just... she says is just it's a movie full of Jennifer Lawrence screaming. I swear, the first one at least it gets better. But uh, yeah, it's I just long story short, I, I'll probably uh, just be thinking about that relationship that is the cliffhanger until the next book, and I really need it to come yeah. out. Uh, as soon as possible. I'm very sad that I can't figure things out right now. Yeah. Oh, gee, why did you leave? Just stay together, be happy. Oh, it's killing me. Hey, uh, that's that's probably all I got to say. Now that we are two hours and thirty-seven minutes in. But listen, nice. you can <laughs> two hours thirty-seven minutes, or you can just go read the book in I don't know eight hours. I don't know how fast people read. It probably took me 10 hours. I don't hours. know either. I'm kind of a slow reader. It probably took me 10 hours. Uh, so you could listen two and a half hours of us. Or this is one time where it's like, you know what? Don't even watch this episode. Just go buy the book and read it and enjoy. And then come talk to us on Twitter and stuff. And tell us your favorite. I mean, also, I mean, also watch this. Well, yeah, it'd be yeah. cool. Or listen to this. It. Yeah, it'd be cool. You don't yeah. read it and then watch I this. And then, and then I don't know. If you've gotten to this point in the podcast where we're telling you to watch this, you've probably already watched this. And hopefully already and read the book. Listen. Or this is going to be very disappointing to have all these all these spoilers. Yeah. Not to me, because, you know, whatever. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really uh, anyway. well. That's how good it is. That's my review of this book. It's so good. You should read it even if we spoiled it. That's that's the the most glowing review I can give. <laughs> Chris, thanks for staying up really late with me <laughs> on this special episode. Worth every minute. Tremendous book. And uh, probably the next time we'll go ahead and we'll get back on track with regular recordings. But it's kind of a shame because I could just talk about this book a lot more. But that'll be in two yeah, weeks. I do, I do have more videos, I think, planned around this book. 
Um, good. I, I don't know exactly what they'll be yet. There'll be one. One will, actually, there, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to go off of. Um, one I think will be just kind of a quick, uh, just story, just sum, summarizing it. I think some people. I'm gonna try to come up with that a little bit later. I think just to give people time to read the book, um, and maybe try to put in like I don't know some type of illustration there. And then um, then my my top. I do want to do this one. Uh, my top probably ten moments from this book. So that that's probably the one I'm looking forward to the most. If you if you decide to examine the connection between purity and, and airbending prowess, I would love to know. Oh yeah, I would love to know if. Uh, I keep thinking of like a polygraph test. They always say that like on a polygraph test, you can be lying, but if you've sort of convinced yourself uh, that what yes. you've done is just all right, you can get past the polygraph test. So in my head, it's like. Uh, Kelsang might feel really bad, but if he knows with conviction that he was working for the greater good, then maybe mm-hmm. his spirit is still sort of pure and innocent enough. Long story short, if you do a video on that, give me a holler because I need mm-hmm. I need to watch it and and mull mull it over. That's a very deep moment. Well, very confusing. Actually, I, I do have a I do have a when when we're talking about it, I have a thought about that of like should Aang have killed the Fire Lord? Which I was going to make a video about that at some point in time, but this book provided more evidence a different way than i was originally thinking before that maybe he should or shouldn't i won't spoil yeah 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 uh and this the thought of somebody losing their bending powers uh because of their i don't know because of their nature like you're never supposed to lose bending ever unless it's straight up stolen from you which (laughs) doesn't happen very often shall we point (laughs) out just the thought like it's not like you get old and your bending powers get weak even like look at well i suppose mm-hmm. i don't know if they really explore that too much no it doesn't doesn't really show yeah i gotta stop talking it's time to go to bed these we gotta cut it we gotta cut it <laughs> off somewhere uh thanks right. a lot chris for for recommending this and telling me when it came out uh best purchase i've made in a long time tremendous book thanks for watching uh hopefully you split this up into a couple of different days or and hopefully you've already read the book because it's worth it please talk to us on twitter We'd love to engage in conversations about this book, and I'm sure that there are a lot of things that we missed trying to cover this book in just a couple hours. So thanks again, Chris. Thank you. Great to see you as always, and I will talk to you guys again soon. Later.